Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Oh, this is kind of funny. So Nick's out of the studio. He got held up with work. And intern Ben is out of studio. He's on vacation with his girlfriend's family. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but there you go. Uh, Maybe I won't tell the... California. (laughs) And then uh, Evan. Yeah. Oh, you thought it was a green... You thought it was a green screen. That's funny. That's funny. So that's uh, that's Ben traveling the world, and he still wants to join, and I think he still will join, but he's just going to be not pushing buttons. So now I can control his appearance on screen. <laughs> um, so episode 161 presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Again, this is the, the place to go. You want to get paid to run tournaments. They're doing Cosmic Glow tournaments at maple hill very soon here i just saw them post that for maple hill um out of new jersey but shipping discs and products around the country uh maybe the world i haven't tried that oh and hold on a second i'm glad someone texted me they can't hear you dude intern ben where are you it's all right they couldn't hear what you said but i talk enough to cover for both of us anyways so now they'll be able to am i good now yeah they'll be able to hear you okay Uh, i was mouthing some things as a joke but it was a yeah yeah, it was all a joke. You actually did it to them. No, what Evan was saying was he thought intern Ben was just posting pictures for fun. Yeah, we had that whole mountain debate about Mount Greylock and whatnot. So he posted, these are what mountains really are. And it was Yosemite. And I was like, okay, cool, Ben. Like, thanks for that for that debate. Didn't realize he was actually there, which now is much cooler. Yes, it is cooler. So. And I don't know if I should have said where he was. I mean, we're spoiling all sorts of things. He's not like, I don't know if he's still there. It's he's going to be yet. on in just a little bit here. Like, uh, yeah. he'll he'll be joining um, soon. He checked in a minute ago, and I think he'll be here. I don't know what his audio situation will be like, but he should be here. Um, so, yeah, again, presented by Cosmic. We're excited to be partnered up with them for this year and who knows how long into the future, but great, great company there. And then um, shout out to my. Three boys. Uh, I have four. Yes, I have four. <laughs> three of my sons competed in the same tournament this weekend. Uh, that's the first for me to have three competing. That involves more than just me. My wife has to be out there caddying or at least being a guardian. And the first time ever for my third oldest, seven-year-old Brady, went out there and actually in his first tournament round ever, he shot a turkey. Not, not like hunting. <laughs> he got three birdies in a row on portion of the course. I posted a video today of one of those incredible performance, uh, came down to the wire at the very end and he ended up getting second place, but that's incredible at your first tournament ever. So congrats, Brady. That's very cool. Yeah. And then Tanner won. I mean, it's hard to say I expect it cause I don't want to overwhelm the kid, but he won and, uh, performed really well, averaging about eight sixty something rated golf for a nine-year-old. Not bad. And Hunter going into the last round, like, I think he shot himself in the foot, went out like five over through the first four holes on the second round and ended up coming back, getting an Eagle with three holes left to play and only one to do that. And then going into the last hole was tied. He pushed it all the way back down to the last hole and 
He said he threw his worst approach shot of his life and he got a bogey. So he ended up the getting second. The yeah. got to him. <laughs> he's listening to you now, Evan. He's probably like, ah. Yeah. Well, Hunter, that round sounds a lot like, the first half at least, sounds a lot like me. So remember, you just have to beat me next time. There you go. So shout out to my kids. I like to do that. I'm a proud dad. Uh, but tonight's episode is jam-packed. I think we must say this often, but tonight we have lined up Ricky Wysocki, We've got Missy Gannon, and we have a friend of the show, someone who spent some time in my backyard with a camera. I know it sounds weird. <laughs> uh, Anthony Bodanza. If you're a fan of Bodanza Disc Golf on YouTube, you know he's a great guy. If you're not a fan, get over there and subscribe. Excellent content, including the, the round in my backyard, the tournament round we did uh, with Gannon and Cole and Evan and Ben and, and lots of cool people back there. You can check it out. So, um, almost through all this, like talkity talk, talk, and we'll get to, you know, what you thought of this weekend, Evan, uh, for the pro tour. If I come off as a little bit like tired or confused, it's because at about three forty-five AM today on, this is Monday, right? <laughs> See, I'm confused. Um, I hear rap, tap, tap on my front door at three, what do you do at three forty-five in the morning when someone's tapping on your front door? You think someone either needs help, like legitimately, or someone's, you know, drunk and confused. And I don't know if I want to, you know, handle that. Uh, so I get out, I'm like groggy in the middle of the night and I go to the front door and I look out through the window because I'm first, I'm peeking out the window of the door. I'm not just opening it up. And I see a police officer and I'm like, like, it's this weird feeling of like, okay, good. But also why? <laughs> like, why? So I, I cracked the door and I'm like, hello. And he's like, hey, we're investigating some break-ins up the street. And we noticed your vehicle's door was ajar, as in it was open. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like 345 a.m. You're waking me up to tell me my vehicle's broken into. Like, ah, uh, like it's nice. Like, what do you do? He can't just drive away. He doesn't want to shut your door. He's got to let you know. So it's 345. I walk outside. It starts raining on me. <laughs> it's like, this is great. I couldn't fall back asleep for a long time. Um, I want to say this. I actually don't think it was broken into. This is the kicker of the story. I think when we got back from the tournament yesterday evening, one of my children forgot to shut the door. Um, and I hit lock and it either didn't tell me a door was left open or whatever. I think that's the scenario. Nothing was taken. Nothing was stolen. And so uh, I'm happy with that. Uh, but that's my morning. That's how it started. I couldn't fall back asleep. It's a long day training people and all not. And here we are talking some more. So all of that being said, Evan, I think intern Ben just joined and, and Ben it's, it's somewhat noisy there. I'm going to try to figure out your audio for you. See if I can throw a filter on there for noise suppression, possibly it's it's pretty, it, oh, I mean, it's like windy. Maybe when you talk, it'll get better. So keep talking like for us. Background white noise yeah. type of deal. Talk, talk, Ben. We can hear you. Nobody else can. All right. Well, they can't hear you, but I'll bring you in. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. And now unmuted. Boom. All right. Intern Ben, everybody. What up? How are we doing? I think it's pretty good now. I'll go inside yeah. if, if you need me to. I think it's probably I, acceptable. I, I like the backdrop personally. So. That's what I'm saying. I, I think you should stay there. Are you in 
Puerto Rico or where are you at? California. Um, yeah, so I'm in Cali, nice poolside. Um, it's not a green screen, so yes, that's why is. I had to... pull the green screen down. Oh wait, someone oh. just walked through your green screen. <laughs> Who's that? Who just walked? I think that was the neighbors. What the heck? Okay, <laughs> the neighbors. Here they go inside. Okay, so I think your audio level is fine. We're gonna leave cool. you up. If you cause trouble, boom, out you go. But you're good for now. You were getting awards in the chat tonight for intern. I know. Of the year. I saw intern okay. of the year. Uh, right. I love and and it made me feel good that Evan was muted at first because it made me know that my job is very secure. Uh, <laughs> so I was very happy about that to see that. Oh man, yeah. So You're there's happy a few the things. show's doing bad. Oh yeah, it it's job security. It's kind of one of those things where you your true colors show. You know, you're like, I'm yeah. just kidding. All right. So we talked <laughs> a lot about random things. Um, but let's get into some disc golf talk. The disc golf pro tour championships, uh, tour finale, the tour championship took place and there's a lot to break down there, but we got Ricky coming on in about nine minutes. So we'll talk to him about, you know, how it went down for him, but Evan, tell us, uh, what you, what you have for a recap on this. I know it's not massive. Yeah. I mean, this, this tournament's interesting. Uh, the format's changed throughout the years. This year, we talked about it last episode. I'm not going to go into too deep, but there was a stroke advantage for the first two rounds. Cut, scores reset, and then essentially a two-round tournament to decide the the winner. And Ricky Wiesaki, uh made the cut and then played lights out uh, going out for the win. Uh, it's his third tour championship win of his career. That's the most of any player in, in either division. Uh, there is a, a big way tie for two uh before ricky got this uh, we'll talk about that later uh but ricky Wysocki wins forty thousand dollars with this win which is the most uh prize cash from one single event in pdj history of course missy gannon also matching that they both earned forty thousand dollars missy gannon wins an fpo if that wasn't clear already but we'll get into that a little bit later uh ricky Wysocki has now won back-to-back to our championships uh, he becomes the first back-to-back winner since Chris Dickerson did it in 2018 and 2019. Uh, Dickerson notably did it in two different venues. He did it when it was in Florida, and then the first year it was in North Carolina. Uh, Ricky is, I guess, the first to do it in back-to-back venues, uh, if you want to categorize it that way. Um, uh, and Ricky Basaki pretty much doubles his season earnings with this win. He was at around 43000 for the season. Uh, prior to this, of course, he had the slow start, some DNFs, didn't play all the events, but he still, you know, won a Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite event, a silver event, had lots of other good finishes, finished fourth in Pro Tour points overall. Uh, so to pretty much double his tournaments with this win is pretty incredible. Uh, it's like I said, it's also his third uh, tour championship win. All three of those have been since his last major victory, which I find pretty fascinating. Uh, his last major was June of 2017. He won the tour championship later that year in 2017. And then in back-to-back years, he's won, I believe I have it right here, 13 disc golf pro tour elite events, uh, in that time frame as well. Three national tours for a total of, uh, 16 standard elite 19. If you uh, include the tour championship and he also has four silver wins in that time frame. Wow. Uh, Moving down the leaderboard in MPO real quick before hitting Missy Gannon, uh, Kyle Klein finishes in second, which is an incredible, you know, week and a half for that guy. Um, winning the, the USDGC, his first major of his career, is, of his pro career, excuse me. Uh, he won $30,000 last week. He wins $22,000 this week. 
that's $52,000 uh, in a single month in October, but really a week and a half. Uh, that's the most PDGA prize cash any player has ever won in a single month in PDGA history. He's the first person to break 50000 in a single month. Um, sorry, excuse me there. Um, it would very cool to see a uh, great record for him and a great showing. Uh, we won't talk about the, uh, uh, the drop picks quite yet, but uh, yeah, he was my drop pick. Uh, and then to round out the podium and NPO, Calvin Heinberg finishes a third. Uh, he's had 14 podiums on the season. Uh, we'll talk about him when we talk about player of the year, because uh, he's certainly in the running along with Isaac Robinson, uh, but he only had one finish outside the top 10 all season. Uh, Matt, any thoughts in MPO before swinging in over to FPO? Oh, it's good to see Kyle Klein kind of back up a good weekend, and it makes you kind of start to wonder, or I say a good week, you know, good a good recency here. It makes you start to wonder what it is about the end of the season, or it's the courses, but you see some courses like this throughout tour. But here's the thing with him. I'm just picking on him. He was he was kind of injured this year, so it's it's possible that he's just coming into full swing, and it's where he would be, you know, all year had he not had those back issues. I think he was back, so yep. yeah, that was good to see. And then um, we, we're going to get to the picks that we did, I know, but the Ricky Wysocki pick, I'm pretty sure Nick did pick, and then last second was like, no, that's a horrible pick, and he went with Simon. We'll we'll talk about that, but no, not much more else to say. I, I mean, Adam Hammes, I could go on and on, but there was a lot of cool storylines. Yeah, quickly on Adam Hammes, uh, he was, uh, I think, six strokes out of the cut line after round one uh, with when factoring in the stroke advantage as well. Uh, he ended up shooting the, at the time, course record of eight down bogey free. Uh, if you could believe it, it was his first bogey free round since March. He had four in March, but one of them includes the Memorial, but he had two at Waco and one at the open at Austin. Hadn't had a single bogey free round the rest of the season until this week. Uh, which talk about a time to have it. He works himself all the way up into the cut line. I believe he said that might've been one of the best rounds of his career, or at least the season uh, to earn that into the cut. Um, he, he plays pretty solid. I think he finished tied for fourth uh, in the lead award. Uh, yes. So a uh, fantastic fish uh, finish earned $9,500, which uh, is I think 700, $7,000, excuse me, more than if he missed the cut. So talk about a good round to earn that amount of cash. That is a, Pretty much, uh, how would you make for winning a disc golf pro tour uh, elite event uh, most of the time? Uh, so great finish by him. Uh, I'll bring it over to FPO now. Uh, Missy Gannon uh, wins her second tour championship of her career. Uh, it's been uh, Matt. You were asking about this. I I heard it too. Uh, she is not the first FPO player to win the tour championship twice. Katrina Allen has done it before. Um, I believe uh, 2016 and 2018 or 19, I could double check uh, in a second, but she has won it twice before. Uh, Missy Gannon has tied that. Chris Dickerson has also won it twice. And at the time of Missy Gannon winning, the, Ricky Wysocki only had won it the twice. The reason I bring it up is because I saw multiple places, including Brian Earhart, uh, just mentioning, like, I think he said first ever to win back to back. I don't even think it was, I don't even think it, it, I'm not saying this is on him. He gets fed information or he does what he's told. It's kind of, you ever watch Anchorman? Like I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> like, yes, you are. You don't have to ask a question. He's just reading a teleprompter. So I'm not like placing this on Brian per se. I've said stupid things on here too, that I want to take back. But when I heard it just objectively, I'm like, what? 
like I, I even non FPO, like I was like, maybe they meant FPO, but then, yeah, it doesn't make sense for even FPO. And then I was like, not ever like Chris Dickerson did it. And uh, like, so it was interesting to hear. That's why I brought it up to you. I'm like, can you just verify this for me? I'm pretty sure. Like, why did they say that? So anyways, there you go. Yeah, it was 2016 and 2019, 2019 being the first year that Charlotte hosted the tour championship. Uh, I was previously in Florida and Vermont before that. Katrina Allen won in Vermont, uh, which it was the first year that it's got pro tour. Uh, it was held right after GMC. It had kind of a weird feeling. It was that was the season before I really picked up disc golf, so I don't have a total uh, big feel of it. But yeah, Katrina Allen did historically win two prior. But back to Miss Gannon, uh, forty thousand dollars, of course, being the highest uh, payout uh, for a single event in PDGA history, it marks Missy Gannon's highest career payout. Her next two highest payouts of her career are at the Tour Championship. The past two seasons. Uh, the second best is from her win in 2021 when she won 30 grand. And her third best is from last season when she finished third place and earned 14,000. Uh, she has earned the nickname Big Money Missy and has backed it up all season long. Uh, if you remember Ledgestone, that was a, a big driving factor. Uh, not driving factor, excuse me, a driving story or headline. Uh, and Ledgestone being a big uh, purse. Uh, the Discount Pro Tour is a bigger purse, and Missy Gannon sure backed it up. Uh, Owen Scoggins, though, put on a run for uh, her money. She was leading through the uh, first two rounds going into the reset, was leading after the first round after the reset, but unfortunately had a bad final round. Ben's uh, doing some cry emojis. Uh, three over for Owen Scoggins. Uh, she, of course, really wanted this uh, this win. I mean, the money means a lot, and that's what she values, uh, which credit to her. I value that as well. Um, funny enough, if the scores didn't reset, I, uh, I pulled the numbers here, and we can talk about it more later as we talk about the format, but do want to say it real quick. Uh, if the scores didn't reset and there still was the stroke advantage, Owen Scoggins would have ended at 11 down, four better than Missy Gannon. Uh, Missy Gannon was two over through the first two rounds before resetting. Owen Scoggins was six down. That's just their play alone, not including the advantage. So uh, interesting there. But of course, we know what the uh, format was going into it. Uh, and lastly, a tie in fourth between Kristen Tatar and Haley King. Uh, Kristen Tatar having an incredible season. Of course, she was the reigning champion. Uh, her fourth place finish is one of the worst of the season for her, but that's just say it in light of what an incredible season it was. Uh, it's only the fourth time she has finished outside of the top two this entire year. Uh, Haley King being a previous winner of this event back in 2021, uh, she um, earned $9,000 along with Kristen Tatar. So not the highest uh, cash of Haley King's uh, career, but a very nice paycheck, uh, of course. Absolutely. And if you're wondering, I'm multitasking 10 times over when Ben's gone and then we've got guests coming in. So it's tough to, uh, to do all of this at one time. So, but that being said, Ricky, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Can you hear me? All right. He can hear us. So let's just do this. Let's jump in because he's here and he's ready and let's bring him in. Uh, everybody, welcome to the show. Ricky Wysocki. Boom. It's like he's the what what do we call it? Oh. Uh Ben, you're in here. Cool. So boom. What is Ben? Three, two, one. There we go. 
Ricky, what's up, man? Just just like that, you join the show while you're traveling 70 miles an hour down the road. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you. Um, so okay. you win in epic fashion as you typically do. You're very, how do I put it? You're, you're fun to watch. The excitement is real. And I'm jumping right to the finale. You win $40,000, yeah. something you've never done in your life, ever. Not at one time that I'm aware yeah. of. You, you, you got a salary. We know that. But like a one-time yeah. $40,000 check, this is a first for you. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So I, to answer your first question, you're, you're kind of saying, like, how, you know, I feel like I play with a lot of energy. That's, what, that's a good word for it. I play with a lot of emotion. I play with a lot of energy. And I feel like I, I uh, feed off the crowd. And I also fuel the crowd to clap for me and, like, explode with emotion when I make a big shot. And I feel like that's the closest thing that comes to home court advantage in, in disc golf is getting the crowd behind you and making that 60-footer with three holes left and puts you up two strokes. Like, that's, that's like Steph Curry hitting a three, you know, with, you know, 20 seconds left in the game puts puts his team up by two points you know like it's not over but like that's just one of the moments that make the tournament uh that much closer to winning and so i think that just me sharing my emotion with the crowd they love it and they feed off it as well and i think that that's you know sometimes it can be bad playing with high emotions and, and stuff like that because when 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 it's not going your way you you know you, you obviously i take full credit for my for my you know, bad play, but also when I'm playing good, I, you know, I'm, I'm there to win. And I think that, you know, I think that's, that's just something that that's just part of my personality. That's an interesting, interesting thought you brought up. I'm going to try to circle back around to that, but so then you take it and you get that big check, dude, like this is a first and only for you or not, maybe not only, hopefully not only, but first, <laughs> first at this point in your career, what is that like? Nobody else had done it in the MPO. Missy had only done it just a little bit prior to that. What does that feel like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's true. It really is amazing, and it definitely. I mean, as everybody knows, pressure is a is a crazy thing. Pressure and nerves are totally real, and when you got that much money on the line, it's it's a whole nother ball game. It's uh, those gaps out at Nevin get they seem to get smaller. <laughs> um, for me, luckily, I'm you know when I'm under pressure, I think uh, the biggest thing for for most players is you got to lean into your strength. My strength has always been coming down the stretch. I feel like. I, I make big putts and I, you know, I, I think that's something that I'm just really good at. I'm really good at calming my nerves, calming the pressure uh, for those big moments and just taking full advantage of it. And, and I think that that's why when I do execute those shots, I'm just, I let all that out because it's like, I know that if I make that putt, that's, that's just, it's just, you know, it's not, the tournament's obviously not over. So I'm not pumped that I won yet, but I just, I'm pumped that, it's setting me up, my, me up for the win to make it a higher percentage win. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to, to, to answer your question a little bit more, yeah, the, the pressure is a lot more when there's 40,000 on the line. Um, you know, we're going to be on ESPN. So that's another thing you're thinking about like, Hey, I want to put on a good performance so I can showcase my skills to the world. So there's, there's the money standpoint. There's the, Hey, I want to show, show the world what I got, what disc golf has to offer and for me being a face of the sport. I want to, I want to go out there and, and represent the sport as a whole in a great way and play with intensity, play with emotion and just be genuine, be myself. And uh, that's what I feel like I showcased this week. You mentioned big putts. So I want to talk about the biggest one, uh, hole 16, elevated basket. 
uh, 75 feet away and you just cash that thing and, and have all the energy in the world running up to it. Uh, talk us through uh, walking up to that putt, how the confidence level you had. Was it like a heat check type of moment? Uh, was it a you just knew you would make it no matter what? Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, actually, it wasn't. I mean, the first my first thought was like for a split second, I was like, all right, can I lay up? And then that kind of just completely went out of my mind. I'm like, no, I can't lay up. I'm, I'm only up one. Kyle's or I was up two at that point. Kyle was pretty much parked. I'm giving him a he's making that. I mean, he's a good putter. He's putting good all day and he's 20 feet. So that's I got to count that as in. And so I'm walking up and I'm also thinking ahead. So I'm playing seven. I'm playing through the scenarios going through 17, going through 18. There's strokes to be had on those two holes. There's lots of out of bounds. There's a tight gap off 17 that you have to hit. And if you don't hit it, it could pretty much be an automatic bogey potentially uh, because of how hard that gap is. And if you do, if you miss it, there's just, it's hard to recover. There's really, it's, you know, it's the type of hole where you get through the gap and you have a birdie or par or you miss it and you get a bogey or potentially worse because it can get some bad kicks. But anyways, I was, um, I was just thinking about those holes and I want to be set up. Obviously I'm, you know, I put myself in that situation. I want to take full advantage and win. So I'm thinking like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta get an extra stroke. And looking back at it, um, that putt on 16, you know, obviously I knew it was huge for the moment. And it obviously looking at the, at the leaderboard at the end, it looks like that one stroke is what did it. Obviously, you know, the, the way, um, when you're playing to win, it play, it comes down to the last hole. A lot of times it did yesterday. Um, but I mean, that's that's what having those two strokes and that putt on 16 does for you is you can play a little bit safer and force force aggression on the on the person you're battling against. Like with Kyle, I kind of forced him to go for it, and then from there, after I saw that he went out of bounds, I could play a lot more safe. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the biggest the biggest thing is, like I said, just making hitting that putt and just clutching up and hitting that, and then knowing that that's setting me setting me up to be able to to play safe and play for. a a double bogey, which is what I did on 18, which is what I, I would never normally do that unless it's for the win. Yeah. Well, to talk about 18 real quick, uh, that shot that ended up being a laser beam right into the woods. Uh, was your game plan to try to lay it up? Was that a misfire? Um, and when it came out of your hand, did you like, it, maybe it was your intention, but when it came out of your hand, did you think it was going to go way in the woods? Like it, to me, when I was watching it on TV, I thought it was going to go flying in the woods, but you ended up being right in the rough. So, uh, talk us through yeah. uh, that plan. Yeah, I mean, so so all week I had been blasting my driver, going going through the gap and throwing great shots, and and I was good setting myself up for an easy, easy pars and even birdie looks. Um, but in a situation like that, there's a lot. There is a lot of um, uh, OB that I bring into play by throwing that shot. So I decided to lay down and throw a mid range. I threw a trust, and that just set me back. So I was basically just playing for par. I wasn't going for the birdie. Uh, but what that also did is I never practiced a layup. So that was kind of my mistake. So I wasn't familiar with the distances and my distance control, which normally that's, that's you know, as a, as a professional, you go through the course, you play, you know, all the different layup spots, all the different go-for-it spots. So that way you can have those situations dialed in and have it in the back of your memory. Like, hey, if I lay up and I'm up two strokes on this hole, I know what I'm going to do. And I, for some reason, didn't do that. And so I just was in between discs, in between shots, and so the indecisiveness just made me throw longer than I wanted because I didn't want to throw short. So because I knew if I throw if I throw it short, I'm going to hit the boards and be and be OB and having to essentially almost rethrow because the way the out of bounds is is uh, placed. And so I wanted to be long because I'm at least safe. I'm in the woods, but at least I can scramble and potentially get a bogey 
I have to. Um, and so, yeah, I just basically misgaged the distance uh, because I didn't practice it. And, um, and yeah, I, I got kind of lucky to not go further in the woods. But, I mean, that was kind of what I – like I said, that was kind of my play. I wasn't trying to throw it in the woods, but I was just trying to err on the side of long and still being safe. I'd rather be safe in the woods than short on the bottom. Yeah, great insight. Thanks. Yeah. So – um, I know this isn't a clinic and I know I'm at the top of my game, no matter what you say, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you were hitting some really fantastic large putts and that's not unusual for you. We've watched your game for a long time, but can you just tell me, cause I just had this thought, where are you, are you aiming at a point in mid air or are you literally imagining the whole flight and saying it's going to dunk at the end? Or are you thinking, there's the basket, I'm just going to feel it and just send it out? Like, what is your thought when you're hitting yeah. those big putts? I'm kind of a combination of feel. I'm a very feel putter. That's really my thing. I'm a feel, but I also have a move with my putt that I know if I do that, I see the basket, I take a couple seconds to see my distance, how far I am away, and I see where I want to release my putter, and I have a little bit of hyzer at the end of my putts. So I know that, hey, my putter is going to hyzer x amount so i gotta release you know especially when i'm 75 feet away yeah. i don't i'm not just gonna put dead straight at it you know so and i like to have kind of an arcing putt and so i i'm a very like i said i'll take a second to register how far the distance is and then and then and then i make sure that hey if i do you know if i extend my arm and engage my wrist to get the spin then that's kind of where the feel comes in i know if i do my form right that my feel is going to take over after that and and that's what's going to allow me to gauge the distance correctly um and so i think i feel like that's why i've succeeded under pressure is because i've just I've, i know what i need to do obviously you know being 75 feet away i'm not going to make that putt every time but it's just all about percentages you know I, I i feel like i make a lot of them in the big moments because i like i said i know what i what works for me and what's worked in the past and so that's something i can refer back to and and really no, hey, this is this is what works for me. This is what I'm going to do. And and obviously, you know, sometimes, you know, being under pressure and nerves, it can cause you to do weird stuff and throw off your form, throw off your mental game, kill your confidence because you're doing things that you may not normally do. Um, but yeah, so the answer is, I think I'm a little bit of both, a little bit of a feel putter and a little bit of like focusing a little bit on my form with my wrist action at the end to get the spin on the putt. Cool. And so this is me circling back to what you brought up in the very beginning, talking about how sometimes emotions, you know, you got to handle them one way or another, whether it's going bad or it's going great. But the interesting perspective is when it's going bad, it seems like obviously you're going to try to, whether it's internalize it or try to just accept it and move on. It seems to me like you usually capitalize on the, the positive energy though. And it seems to me like you take it to the next level which maybe you figured out how to capture that and use it, like you said, to your advantage. Is that, do you feel that way? You're like, dude, I'm playing good. Let me keep this hype train going. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. And I think that that's very unique to me. I don't, I, I like a lot of players like Calvin's an absolutely amazing right. player. He's just different. He's wired different. <laughs> right. and that's that's kind of athletes and that's sports. You know, people, you know, some people might relate with him or me. It just depends on who they like. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, the way I am is, if I'm in a slump or if I'm, if I got something that's not working, I'm going through the course and I'm just, I'm just, my game doesn't feel good. I'm not scoring. I always tell myself, like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for that one moment, that one moment of like, like I call it momentum. Everyone talk, hears me talk about that, but to expand on that, on that a little bit more, that momentum comes from 
one that one shot, that one 75 foot putt, or that throw in, or that sick drive on a really hard hole that like gets you pumped up, gets the crowd cheering, and and that's the moment where I kind of snap in, like, all right, sweet, I got the momentum. Now it's time to get the ball rolling. You know, kind of start the snowball effect in a good way. Start that snowball of momentum instead of having a snowball of bad bad emotions like hey i keep getting bad tree kicks i keep doinking putts that can snowball in a negative way but for me when i have that one shot that sparks me in a, in a positive way it snowballs you know had another long putt another good drive and so i just feel like i that's why i the momentum is so important for me when i'm playing well do you feel like for you as a player and i i often get so many caveats to my questions so i'm not going to this time as, <laughs> as a player do you feel like you think there's an advantage also to being that hyped? Do you think that that plays into an advantage for you um, when other players are seeing that? Is there any strategy to that? I mean, it's something that I've definitely noticed over the years. It's not something I'm doing intentionally. It's all the, all my emotions and stuff that come out are completely genuine. Like I'm just excited. And I think another thing is that I, I see moments in tournaments and I know when there's turning points in events, like, like that final round, you know, he, you know, Kyle got it back to even, and then I got two strokes on him and then he was starting to pull back again. Then I, you know, gained a stroke on 15 to put it to two strokes. And then for me to keep that stroke on 16, that's two strokes was so much bigger. I mean, my winning percentage probably went from, I don't know, 50% to 80 or 90% with that two strokes at the end. So it was a huge jump in, you know, percentage of me winning. And I knew that I could feel that at the moment, like, one stroke ain't nothing. As you saw, like uh, on 18, you know, Kyle went out of bounds. I went out of bounds. There's a two-stroke swing we had, no problem. Like Kyle could have – obviously it didn't happen, but Kyle threw a great shot, and he could have hit the green and had a chance for a three. Um, and that was very possible. So just the fact that I can see those moments happening before uh, they happen, like how important certain, you know, certain putts or certain events in a tournament are, I think that's something that is to my advantage for sure and also to expand on it is I feel like it almost like it sucks energy from, you know, from the crowd, like pumping, pumping me up and pumping, you know, after I hit a six shot, it kind of like it's hard. It's a lot harder to execute a shot after that. You know, if I'm hitting a 75 footer, Kyle's got a 20 footer after the crowd just went nuts. Like, you know, that's kind of the home court advantage type thing. Like nobody's cheering, not that nobody's cheering for him, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to keep, uh, to keep up with that, you know? Yeah. And, and I think I heard Kyle in an interview saying that after hole 16, he felt a little deflated, which, like I said, it's, you know, it's all that momentum, all that energy. It's, it's, it's a real thing. And that's why home field advantage in sports is, is an advantage. It really is. Uh, Ricky, how do you rate the season as a whole for you as Ricky Wysocki? And I asked this in two ways. One, how do you uh, rate it as in going into all-star break before you, you know, had the uh, wrist flare up and then how do you mm -hmm. rate it going in to uh, let's say the Northwest swing when you still hadn't had a win, but you were coming back um, as in what were your, uh, like if you had the tour championship an elite win and a silver win at different points, how would you rate that as a uh, Ricky Wysocki season? Yeah. I mean, I think this was for me, a lot of the, uh, you know, events, I wasn't really feeling 100%. Like I, I was able to play perform um, and, you know, I was out there doing my best, obviously trying to win as much as I can and just, and just nothing really clicked at a lot, a lot of the events. Um, and I still was able to sell. I guess it was the type of season where I sell. It's a salvage season. Like 
I played well. I had some very consistent finishes. I had a lot of top tens uh, in, in big events, which obviously, you know, I'm, I'm trying to win. Uh, but, you know, nowadays top tens are solid. Like that's it's, it's hard to get top tens at events. And so when you do. you OK, we lost Rick for a second. We'll wait till he kind of links back up here. Um, I'm finding this actually intriguing to this point. Everything you're asking and some of the insight he's giving me with momentum saying that he can see it. I think it's in his head when he, when he hit that 75 footer on 16 and he says, Kyle's like, nobody's cheering. He's like, well, maybe not nobody's cheering. He's like, but he knows it. He's like, Oh, look at this. I just got all the crowd's enthusiasm, right? Like I sucked it out of everybody. And now like Kyle's like, I'm burnt, you know? Um, yeah. And it's another thing. Like, it's not, it's not just um, the crowd. It's Kyle's pushing for it and he's not getting an inch from Rick. He, he throws that shot and he's practically parked in Rick's words and Ricky's outside of both circles. Remember, it doesn't even count for putting where Ricky was from. And so Kyle's like, Oh sweet. Like I got a stroke on Ricky. Like I'm one stroke back going into 17 and anything can happen as Ricky was saying. And he doesn't get it. That's so deflating. I think we all know that. And so that's the, that's the pressure of making a big putt. And then you add in the crowd. And I totally agree with that as well, that that can uh, uh, drain a lot out of you. I had one more question and I know he was wrapping up your question and let's see if he's able to join back here in a second. I can see some of the tech stuff moving and changing, but I don't hear him or see him. So, um, Let's see. Uh, anyway, so again, multitasking, lots of things here. I do want to ask, and maybe you guys can talk about it for just a second, because I'm going to get them on uh, through a phone call here, is you saw how whole 18 played out, and was there any reminiscing, like, I don't know what the right word is, reminiscing about throw pink, hole 18, disc that possibly never came in bounds, and hole 18 with the MPO here, the disc that possibly never came in bounds and how they played it out and, and Jeff Springs involvement pretty quickly. And like, I think everyone's a little sensitive to it. Um, do you, did you have any takeaway on that? I'm going to try to call Rick up here. So he might interrupt us, but what do you think? Ben, I'll leave this to you. I was watching on mute. So it was a little bit harder for me to uh, kind of get the whole, whole feel of it. Were you watching Ben? And, uh, but Ben, you might've not been watching cause you're out in uh, California. Yeah, I- the whole weekend. Okay, so what I'm going to try to do then is call him up directly. Audio-wise, the... Uh... Okay, I'm calling him, um, and we'll see here when he answers if he can give us that answer himself. The, the beauty of a live show, I'll tell you what. Hey, hey, Ricky, can you... Oh, no, Ricky, yet. I thought he answered. <laughs> the phone's Ooh, ringing still. Hello? Hey, Ricky, can you hear us? Hey, yeah, can you hear me? How's my audio? It is great, Rick. It's good to talk to okay, you again. Um, actually, okay, check done. this Check this out, Ben. Woo, look at this little button on the phone with Ricky Wysocki. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, when you talk, we get a little voice wave that says we're on the phone with you, which is wonderful. So I have, do you want to finish up the question? Do you remember what Evan asked you, or do you want to get on to another question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll answer that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously starting in the beginning of the season, I was I was hurt, like you said, my wrist was flared up, and, and it took me a while to recover from that. Even the tournaments I came back, I wasn't fully 100% healthy. And so um, the first, I would say, half of the season that I was playing, like Portland and that stretch, I wasn't, you know, fully ready to go. And even like preserve, like I wasn't, my wrist wasn't 100%. I was able to play through it. And obviously I won the tournament and, and there was a lot of, lot of, lot of positives there. Um, but um, 
but yeah, I just never really got in a groove. Like some, when you're on tour and you play a long season, you, you go through ebbs and flows where you'll go through like a couple, three or four good weeks in a row. You're playing well, maybe get one or two wins in a row. And then, you know, sometimes you might go through a little slump and then come back. Um, and there's always ebbs and flows. And I just felt like I, I never really got on a, on a, on a stretch of a season where I like won two or three events in a row, which I do a, normally, I, that's what I do. Um, and so that's, I think, partly because I started the season so late and I didn't play as many events and never had that time to get in that groove. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, to rate it, I would say I would, probably like a B-minus season. For my standards, probably a B-minus. Uh, the Pro Tour Finals helped a lot. Uh, I, really, I really did play at a, at a high level this last week, and I'm very proud of that. And, uh, yeah, B-minus. <laughs> Well, that's good. <clears throat> that's good insight from the player himself. So when you dropped off, uh, I brought up, I said, I kind of had one more question and it's how 18 unfolded in the sense that a week prior and nobody was really immune to the, the drama of how whole 18 played for throw pink uh, last week with a disc possibly not being in bounds or ever crossing in bounds, uh, how the players played it out according to the rules. And then we come into the last round at the championship here, MPO, and Kyle throws over out of bounds. And from perspective where you were standing, what was your immediate reaction? It looked like everyone was pretty sensitive to this fact that we got to get this call right, including we saw Jeff Spring yeah. even walk over at one point. So from your perspective, where he was throwing from, what was your initial perspective? So, all right, so here's how it went. So we, he threw the shot. Um, we, uh, he threw the shot, and he got the red flag, and obviously we're all looking at the shot. And so I'm yelling across the course, like to the spotter, like, Hey, did he cross up there? Or did he cross like back here? Where should he play from? He's like, Oh no. Yeah. He made, he made the, he was like saying he made the Mando. And, and so we, I took that as like, Oh yeah, he crossed up there. So obviously we're going to take the spotters, you know, insight if he's closer to the disc than we are, but he meant that he made the Mando, not that he made, made it in, ever cross inbounds. So that was the initial mix up at first was we thought he crossed up by the green but he said it wasn't even close. He just meant he made the Mando. But um, so then after that, we kind of, you know, we saw where the disc was and we saw like the flight of the disc. And then we're like, we determined like, hey, that yeah, there's really, based on the shape of the out of bounds and the shape of his shot, um, it's, it was almost impossible for him to have crossed inbounds. So we basically all determined like, hey, yeah, he didn't, he didn't cross. And, uh, and so then from there, we basically were just like, all right, he, he played his shot from, from out of bounds. And, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't nearly as close. Kyle's shot wasn't nearly as close as Holland's shot last week. Holland's was obviously super close. On the, like it almost looked like it almost hit on the line as far as the out of bounds and inbounds. Kyle's wasn't nearly that close. It was pretty obvious that it had never crossed. And I think the fact, and you talked about this when you when I first asked you about forty thousand dollars. When there's forty thousand dollars on the yeah. line, it seemed like I've never seen you as adamant about a call before. As you said, you were yelling across because. That 100% determined how you were playing your next shot, correct? Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, it would change the whole tournament. And then, like I said, if it, you know, initially we were walking up the fairway like he had crossed up there because when I first talked to the spotter, he was like, yeah, just his hand signals and the way he was talking, he made it sound like he crossed up by the green. So I was like, all right, like whatever he says we're going to do because he was literally right there. He can tell. And obviously a lot of the spotters are officials and stuff as well. So, you know, nine times out of ten, the spotter – is right and they see like what's going on and they're on it. Um, so yeah, I was ready to give him the call and, and give him the markup up by the green. Uh, if that's what the spotter said, 
but like I said, we had the miscommunication that he was saying that he made the Mando, not that he uh, crossed right. inbounds. Uh, right. but, and so that's kind of, once we walked up to talk to him, he's like, no, like that never crossed. And so then that was when we basically, you know, Kyle had to go back and do throw basically. Yeah. And then that explains a lot. And that's exactly how we, it looked like it unfolded. And now from your perspective, it's even better, but Jeff spring came over. It's not often that a tournament director or the CEO of the tour itself comes over. Was he offering insight too for clarification? <laughs> yeah, I think he was just trying to get um, a legit call and talking to the, to the, to the spotter. The cool thing is that spotter had been following us around all day. He was really good. He's a really good spotter. Uh, he's, um, yeah, he's always at the USDGC as well. So he's got a lot of experience. And uh, so I feel like that, that spotter alone has, has, a lot of, has a lot of street cred with me for sure, just because I've, I've seen him around USDGC and I know him uh, a lot, pretty well. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it has to do with the Holland call last week, how close that was. Um, you know, that's playing a role. The $40,000, you want to make sure you make the right call. You don't want anything, you know. As much as I want to win, I want it also to be fair. You know, if Kyle crossed up there, that's, you know, that's, that's where he crossed. You know, that's where he's going to play his shot. And that's why we have spotters, and sometimes it's hard to tell. Um, because, like, if it was, you know, if it was us, we could have potentially just gave him it up there because it looked like he may have crossed. Huh. Um, people got people to realize we don't have replays. You know, like on DGN, you may be able to wind it back and see, hey, look, it looks like he crossed or looked like, looks like she didn't cross, like in Holland's case. But uh, in real time, it's it's a whole different ballgame, you know. We even get the drone replays now. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> what was – did – and you don't have to speak for Kyle, but what was Kyle's reaction when the, the spotter or you guys were making that call? Was it simply like, okay, yeah, that's correct? Or did he try to make any, like, judgment of, no, I think I was in? No, I think Kyle was very, very professional, as he always is. He's a, he's a great competitor and great person. And uh, so I don't think he was really trying to finagle a call. He was just trying to simply get get the spotter's initial um, thoughts mm-hmm. on like, hey, did I cross or did I not? Yep. And so, um, so I think he was. I'm sure he was upset, obviously, because that basically was the end of the tournament. Essentially, once his disc went out of bounds, that was pretty much it. Um, but uh, I think he was. Yeah. yeah, he was still, you know, with Calvin playing a good round, he still wanted to get up and down and try to get second. I'm sure, but he was. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure inter- internally he was very upset that he didn't execute that shot. Yeah. Um, but he also had to still finish the next shot. He's still throwing 400 feet over out of bounds. Like that, that, True. that can add up a lot if you keep throwing a couple out of bounds. True. And, uh, and for how crazy this is, this it, stat Mando, this could be the first time ever that a throw came down to $18,000 difference, right? I mean, that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, it literally was. Wow. I'm like, where are we at in disc golf now? We're like the most expensive throw ever, $18,000. And you kind of wonder, Kyle's not on here right now, but like you kind of wonder that had to be going through his head. Um, But so you take it down again. It was epic. It was big. You get handed this massive trophy. Is that the biggest trophy that the pro tour has ever given away that you remember? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's up there with the preserve, the bear trophy, the preserve trophy, the bear is, is heavier, but but it stays there, it. right? The uh, bear stays it, at the course. Yeah. So that, that, that trophy, this trophy is luckily going home with me. <laughs> so that's going to be going off in the trophy room right next to last year's trophy. Uh, so that's super cool. I think it's, it's a really cool trophy. It's, it's like, it's weirdly shaped. It's kind of like crooked a little bit, it looks like, but that's kind of how it was designed. <laughs> yeah. um, 
so yeah, it's very unique. I mean, it's it's very. I mean, yeah, the dude that made the trophy was like all pumped. Oh, I'm so glad you got to take the trophy and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it was super cool. Yeah, that that bend in it was not on purpose, but they said let's roll with it. We got nothing else to do. <laughs> it was on purpose. No, I'm kidding. Um, all so, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, never mind. I, my mom used to make um, wedding cakes as part of her profession, and right before a wedding, like right before the uh, reception, the three tiered cake with like bridges coming off it and juice fountains and everything, yeah. it fell over. They went down, yeah. oh it did, God. it fell over. She about had a heart attack. She went down to this cake decorating store, got a fake cake and literally stacked it up, dusted it off. And they said, here it is, <laughs> like for pictures. And oh, I was laughing. Man. You never know what happens with the trophies. Like there's a bend in it. We're going with it. It's on purpose, yeah, Art- yeah, artistic yeah, design. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's cool, yeah, dude. That's cool. Character. Yeah, so yeah, Ricky, cool. you had... Yeah, my parents there too. Oh, go ahead, oh, sorry. Very cool. No, no, that's all good. I appreciate the uh, the extra insight. Uh, I, I wanted to go into the top 10 that you posted last week after the USDGC um, and curious if anything would change after the tour championship. Uh, j- just to recap, you had the top, I'll just go through the top five at least. You had Calvin Heinberg, Isaac Robinson, Eagle McMahon, yourself, and then Gannon Burr. Uh, w- would you change up that top five at all after this win and maybe a performance from Kyle Klein or is there anything else you think would change? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Kyle's two tournaments in a row, um, playing you know first and second. That's in, that's very impressive. Um, so I think him, he I'd bump him up. I think uh, him and Gannon would be right there. Um, uh, I think right there battling for for, for the fifth spot. I would say uh, Calvin's just so consistent, and I think that um, his consistency week in and week out. Uh, I think people will start to realize how hard that is uh, in years to come. Um, but, uh, the fact that he gets top five literally almost every week is insane. That's so impressive. Even this week, he found a way to come back and get third, you know, like, um, so, I mean, that's a storyline that people don't really talk about. That is so impressive. Um, and as an athlete and someone that strives to be consistent at the high, highest level, I totally respect that. And that's why I, I feel like Calvin is, um, is where he is. He doesn't take weeks off. He doesn't, he doesn't have a bad week where he gets like 20th or 30th. It just doesn't really happen. And um, whereas you players like Yannon and even myself, every once in a while I'll slip in and get, get a 20th place here and there. Um, so I, that's, that's, my, that's my reasoning behind having him at, at, at first. And then Isaac, obviously he won the world championships. And um, for me, when I'm rating somebody as far as rating them as a player in the world, is the consistency. Again, and Isaac is very, also very consistent as well. He, um, even if he's not winning – uh, he's obviously got two majors this year, and on top of that, he's got a lot of top 10 finishes. So I think that's what you have to look at for someone is not only their wins, but it's when they're not winning, where are they finishing? If they're not winning and they're getting 50th place, yeah, that does in my in my mind that doesn't that doesn't weigh as much. Uh, you have to you have to be able to scrap out good finishes even when you don't have your best stuff, and that's what determines uh, one of the best players in the world. All right, we've got intern Ben here. He has one question for you, and we're going to see if his audio is working out. Ben, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Unplugged uh, my headphones. So, all right, yeah, Rick, you know, this year's event format wise, I just want to get your, you know, pros and cons. What did you like? Or if this was just like, this was the event that 
way better and the other one was trash. Are you first of all, we're gonna give Rick the interpretation there. Ben, your audio is literally like doing that like talk and cut out, talk and cut out. So like it's weird. <laughs> I'm gonna plug yeah. back in my headphones. I don't know if it's gonna be better. But Rick, he said, what do you think of the format? The pros and cons from how you saw it this year? Yeah, so I think that I like the fact that this year we were able to the top players, if you if you played all season and you got top ten, you were rewarded with strokes. Uh, and it made it that much easier to get into the finals. So the players that played well all season long, they got – it wasn't just a point system where, hey, you got number one. No, that, that, that point system translated directly into the, into the tournament. Like a lot – I think everyone that got, got strokes qualified, I believe. So that made it so, that much easier The Simon, me. I guess Simon didn't – Simon was probably the one that didn't qualify, that did get strokes. Whatever else, like me, Calvin, Isaac, Gannon – uh, it just makes it that much easier to make the finals, which I think is something that is very important when you're when you're playing at a, at a high level and you you should get rewarded for it, and you still have to earn it. You still have to go out there and play in the semifinal round the first two days, but it's you have a handicap and you earn that. It's not just a random thing. And the players that just barely made it in, the players like Eula Berry and the players that just barely snuck in, they have to play excellent to beat you. Uh, to make up for that three or four or five stroke handicap. Yeah, no, that's good insight. Uh, ben, did let's see and, if your audio could provide any feedback. Yep. Is it good now? It's Got it. it's better. Okay. Okay. So no follow up. Okay. Well, the, uh, sorry. Uh, focus on this, but yeah, they, it's not working oh, again. No. It literally cuts out every time you talk so i don't know what to do with this ben you could call in too if you want we can just do a phone call yeah i i, I don't know yeah if i, I can oh no just just watch you'll watch, watch it back. you'll watch it back and laugh but i want to keep ricky so rick uh we thank you so much for your time is there anything you want to say it was cool to hear you shout out obviously as you always do i don't know why i'm saying it's cool but i heard you shout out dynamic discs uh, I heard you shout out uh, Sunstein and LWS. I think it was LWS. And um, yep. that's great. The season's over. Any closing thoughts for the season? Who, who's player of the year? Yeah, no, just player of the year is Calvin. It, it's easy. It's, it's, really it's that easy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so. <laughs> I mean, the only other, I mean, Isaac obviously would be right there. Uh, wow, what do you guys think? <laughs> this Ooh, is, we're going to bring Rick in as the third host tonight. He's asking our opinions. Right. I'll, I'll say quickly, I, I personally say Isaac. I think I personally see the two majors uh, being huge wins. Rick, I know you've spoken in the past that you yeah. think uh, yeah. all all pro tour events, but the, when the field's all there, that those wins are the same. But I do value uh, Champions Cup and Worlds more than I do value the Las Vegas Challenge and Jonesboro. Jonesboro yes, that was Calvin's other win. That's me yeah. personally. But if somebody says they think Calvin's the player of the year, I, I don't think I'll really argue it. I'll just say I feel a different way. Yeah, no, I, I see that. And, and I think, I think what, if, you know, whoever's making the decision, what they should do is say, hey, this, you know, obviously the World and Champions Cup outweigh pretty much any tournament besides USD, UC, and Worlds. Um, and he obviously won Worlds. Uh, but uh, I think you look at the other events, so a good way to look at it is you say, hey, you take the majors, Isaac's more obviously won the major category. All right, then you go to the next category. If Calvin wins um, far and away, 
multiple different categories to outweigh that, then yeah, I would say he wins. Um, but if, if you know, if, if you look at, and I haven't looked that closely at Isaac's stats as far as the other 20 tournaments that he's played that weren't the majors, um, but uh, that's something I think should factor in. Is um, obviously definitely weight the majors, like you said. I think that's a very smart thing, and I think that's something that you should do. And um, then you got to look at the secondary stuff, which is important as well. If it's if it's you got if you have 10 or 15 tournaments where Calvin beat Isaac and not only beat Isaac but played at a high level and got second or third place, you know, week in and week out, and, and Isaac was getting 10th or 20th, you know, for 10 or 15 events. You know, that's something you definitely have to look at, in my opinion. Well, we'll, we'll uh, change this into whenever people change the name of our show, it's usually like the Nick and they'll make up something else. The Nick and fat, the Nick and nap, the Nick and whatever. Nick, tonight, the Nick and Rick. Yes. Nick and Rick. To, well, tonight they said the Rick and Matt show and I'm taking it. So it, we got rid of that's Nick for funny. once. <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny. Sorry. Nick. Uh, no, no. Spot, for but... once, for once we're booting Nick because Nick didn't show up tonight. He called out. So this is what happens. He's okay. out. You're in. Called in sick. All right. <laughs> and Rick, before we let you go, just to let you know real quick. This season, Calvin Heiberg is 16 and six versus Isaac Robinson's. So he definitely has the edge head to head against Isaac. Okay. Uh, Calvin, I mean, you've, you've said it many times. Calvin's consistently this year has been incredible. He only has one finish outside of the top 10 this entire season, and that was Champions Cup being 16th. Every single other one has been in the top 10. I, I think that's absolutely incredible. I, I want to uh, highlight how good his year has been. Uh, although yeah. my vote might be different. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, and like I said, I totally get where you're coming from. I think that's, that's basically where you would go. It's, it's between them. And it's the fact that he beat them 10 times. Does that outweigh those two majors? And maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's just, you know, like I said, it's, but it's, you know, it could, you know, in a certain way, I, I kind of feel like it does. And so, you know, but yeah. It's a, it's a great discussion. I, yeah, we won't, we won't be done with it this episode. Uh, everyone else will be talking about it until the awards are finalized. All right. With okay. that being said, we're going to let you go, Rick. We do appreciate all your time, including some of the tech difficulties. We're glad we worked it out with the phone here. And um, we'll, I don't know, enjoy your off season. I guess that's what I'll say. And we'll yeah. catch up with you another time. Yeah. yeah, thank you guys for having me on when I was on two times this year, I think. Dude. It's, 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 okay. it's often enough, but yeah, we could have you more. So if you yeah, ever want to come good. on, hit us up. No, it's all good. No, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Thanks to everybody watching the show, supporting the show, supporting, you know, Disc Golf Network, watching everybody. Uh, we truly appreciate all the fans and everybody supporting, supporting the Nick and Matt show, supporting the players and everybody involved. So uh, I'm excited to uh, hopefully be on the, on the show again next, next year. Yeah, well, anytime you want, Rick, just hit us up. It's the Rick and Matt show. Remember that. Not Nick. Not Nick. Just... <laughs> all, all right, right Rick. On. We'll catch you another time. Really appreciate right. it. Have a good one. Safe travels. Peace out. All right. See you guys. The energy is unmatched, and I love every minute of it. It is great. It is great. Um, all right, so I'm hitting some buttons. Uh, still trying to manage this all on my own here. Intern Ben, you're never going on vacation again. But with that being said, we... Uh, you do sound okay. You sound loud, but let's let's taper it down here, and we'll bring in Missy Gannon. We'll see how this goes. All right, let's welcome to the show, everybody. Um, big... Money, Missy. So, Missy, uh, I, the same thing I did with Rick. 
I mean, you just, you are the recipient of the first ever largest single cash payout prize ever. You have that forever. What is that like? I'm just jumping right to it. Then we can talk about the rest. Some people will say no, but I just fixed it. So now we can. Okay. Better. <laughs> so the audio is fine. It's going to catch up. I think the internet will catch up, but the audio is fine. So just keep talking. We'll catch up with the video. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's such a cool honor uh, to be a two-time um, Pro Tour champion and, you know, yeah, have the the record-breaking, you know, single pay uh, payout. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just went full screen on it because we can see a number, $40,000 behind it. What does that do? <laughs> what <laughs> what does that do yeah. to um the bank account besides increase it by $40,000? I mean, it's it's uh to your bank account of competitive satisfaction. <laughs> like, what does it do? Did you sit there and look at it and go, "Holy crap, I just won $40,000." Like today, yesterday, like when did that sink in? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Um, I one of my interview right after the uh, event uh, on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, I mentioned I was asked the same question, like, when did you did you ever think about the forty thousand dollars, like, throughout any of the the final round, or you know, did it ever creep into your head? And uh, for me, it it didn't. I'm I'm happy with the way that I held myself through the round. I wasn't thinking about the outcome. And honestly, the title was way more important to me than the money was. Um, and you know, that's just a that's just a testament to how um, supportive my sponsors are. And you know, it's it's I I I'm grateful that I don't have to, you know, just just think about the money all the time um, anymore. And I can really just focus on my job. And so the 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 cash prize is just sort of like this humongous cherry on top <laughs> for uh for me and and uh, yeah it's just it's nice that i can uh you know yeah take that in and and yeah just have that as like the byproduct of playing really well and having a really solid season yeah so generically uh speaking for the whole event itself not any specific round was it the massage before the event that was the key to your success yeah <sighs> Probably. Uh, I definitely felt during the, the throw pink championship, I felt extremely tight, like stiffer than I normally do, uh, mostly in my shoulders. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if it was just like it hit me all at once or, you know, I wasn't doing enough of my own, you know, sort of uh, PT uh, towards the end of the season. You know, it, it got so packed with events and um you know it's hard to hard to it's it's hard to like relax um but also you know still try to you know get massages and do things all of these like four round events that were like back to back to back and um so I finally once when I felt that I was you know I was in need of something um I, I was like, well, what better time to do it than right before the tour championship? I might as well do whatever I can to set myself up for, um, you know, at least hopefully some some better success 
and uh, yeah, uh, it definitely helped. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> I listen. I listened to the press conference. What can I say? And I was like, oh, that sounds nice. Um, so you mm-hmm. go into the yep. first round, second round at any point, and you're always honest with us. But at any point during these rounds, did you ever have this feeling of like? And eh, maybe it's not my year. Or did you always say, no way? It's literally down to the last hole. Like at any point during the four rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like I I um I came into this tour championship with very little expectations, um, which I hadn't been doing well uh in the previous events. So like US women's, I just had like this this confidence which is really good this confidence that i was going to do really well um but i think that i i kind of i was looking at the bigger picture and that was also in in the throw pin championship you know i'm like oh i do i I play really well here like it's gonna it's gonna be great and and it for the most part was like I, i didn't do bad but it was not up to what my expectations were which i wish i didn't have those um for this past week i um i really just took every round and every hole you know for what it was and um just tried to play each hole the best that i could and we always say that you know you have to stay in the moment every it's every shot that matters it's not you know the the outcome but to to actually do that and 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 um follow that is really is way harder to do um so uh, I think it was just one of those weekends where everything was um, sort of clicking mentally. And then, you know, it sort of went into my physical play. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just a, I could tell that I was in the, the mindset that I, that really helps set myself up for success and just, yeah, just staying really present and uh, not thinking about what could be. I think, I think for the most part, I, <laughs> to be honest, like most people, you know, pretty burnt out at this point I'm typically not like one to sort of just like fizzle out I I tend to like do pretty well towards the end of the season um and I just knew that like even if I felt a little more burnt out than usual I needed to just muster up any last bit of energy and just like send it for for this week (laughs) send it I'm gonna do a quick refresh on your video here um, we did, we didn't lose you. I'm just trying to hopefully maybe sync it up a okay. little bit more. So it doesn't look like the subtitle version of like a foreign movie, but your audio is great. So it's just, okay. it's just the syncing. But, um, so I know as a competitor, you're not, okay, you're not thinking about, um, other competitors, but after the rounds, you must've seen the scores and said to yourself, wow, like own or other players are like, wow, really performing well. Did that, did you ever think of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think my uh, going into, I think like the the first round of the finals, you know, own shoots five down, I shoot two down, you know, that's pretty good. Um, but I, I was like, dang, you know, own is just is just shredding this course. And, you know, even, even throwing because she was trying to rely mostly on her forehand as much as she could, because her backhand was hurting her. Um, but that's, on that course, in my opinion, it's very heavily backhand, hyzer, hyzer flip, and that maybe that's just my game. But um, there are a few holes that really stand out as 
pretty much only backhand holes um, or tee shots that are really challenging. And uh, the fact that she was able to play the way she was under the circumstances of, uh, you know, being tentative with her backhand and trying not to go to it as, as often as possible. Um, you know, I was just like, I don't know what's, what I'm going to have to do to, to catch her. And she was honestly the only one I was worried about going into the last round, other than the fact that I was like, okay, Kristen has to do something pretty incredible. But I kind of wished I, I didn't have to think about what she was doing. <laughs> I, I, it was in the back of my mind a little bit. Cause I wasn't able to, I wasn't playing with her. So, and that's, and that's not typical. Right. And so, you know, I knew Tom was keeping an eye on it and he would have told me whatever I needed to know if I needed to know and Kristen throw her shots and, and see what score she was putting up. Um, so, but really, I mean, my eyes were on own um, because I was close to her in score. She was the one that was, you know, showing that she can play really well on the course. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, she did not have the the um, the round that she was hoping for for the final round. But that's also, you know, that's what that's Nevin for you. You know, you're I, I, what I, I shot two down, four over, two down and then, you know, uh, eventually three down. So I think I don't even know <laughs> your, your practice <laughs> but, round, your practice um, round yeah. in the press conference. I think you said four down in a, in a practice round and that must have given you some confidence for sure. Mm -hmm. But then, like you said, it's just how it, it's just how Nevins plays out. It's always different uh, each round, but uh, you stayed in it. You battled yeah. all the way to the end yeah. and um, incredible an awesome, you know, celebration with some friends running out with champagne or whatever it was, just spraying you and and the check being handed and the trophy. We we asked Rick about that and the trophy is pretty epic. Is that the largest trophy you've ever received to take mm -hmm. home? Yeah, it's sitting right next to me, and I'm I mean I'm sitting down, but it's about up to my oh my goodness my nose almost. I can sort of take bring it over. <laughs> If you explain it to us, it's it's, my head, it's metal. Of, it's okay. metal, and it has it has some weight to it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's yeah, it's quite heavy. I had to, I was kind of lugging it around all over the course <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. You don't want to bring that through the airport. They're gonna really do some double checks, but. <laughs> Um, what did you think of this format? I, again, in your press conference, heard you talk about different feelings about it. Um, after having played through it, do you think there's pros and cons in your mind? And, and I'll give credit to the chat and intern Ben for the last question on this, but what do you think about the, the pros and cons to how this format played out? Yeah, I've kind of been going over it in my head, you know, which one I like better. Um, I think that the previous format had a different stress level involved um while you know i if if it was the previous format i would have gotten a buy to the semis right because the top four in fpo get, get a buy to the semis um and so i would have only technically had to play two rounds you know uh to win the prize the, the the ultimate prize but um i there's a there's with the single elimination thing, it's such a stressful thing because you have to be on, you know, the for for two rounds, right? It's like you if you if you have if I had that four over day, that likely would have been, you know, I would have been out. Uh, so I don't know. I I think that the old format was definitely added that stress level and like 
different concept, but I feel like having to play four rounds for $40,000 um, really made a lot of sense. And I think that um, it, it made me feel like I really earned it because we all had to play the same amount of rounds in the end and uh, new format over the old format. Um, and I think that it makes it more worth it for the players to, you know, who get invited. I mean, nobody was, is not going to go if you get, if you get, <laughs> if you qualify, but um, you know, it, it just makes it, you know, you, you know, you're going to play at least two rounds. And I think that that, um, you know, makes it a little bit more, a little easier to like invest in lodging and, and all that stuff. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure, and Evan can back me up or you can, of course, like there was a minimum payout for FPO just because you made it. Was that, was that 2,500? Is that correct for both divisions? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also saw it's uh, technically there was a a entry fee too. Is that correct? You had to pay about $500? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, but you're guaranteed your money back. It's just part of the entry fee and commitment to playing the round. Um, Evan, do you have any questions? I've been going a little while here. No, you've been doing great, Matt. Uh, so, Missy, last time you won this event... Uh, I've was been talking was, a lot. Uh, sorry, with the audio uh, just a little off. It just uh, synced up. Sorry about that. Um, uh, the last time you won this event, it was when I was at Hornet's <laughs> Nest, but you have now won this event twice. The only, event, only other event on tour that you have won twice is Ledgestone. Uh, which is a very premier event and, you know, one of the highest payouts uh, during the elite season. Uh, of course, you have the name Big Money Missy now. Uh, tell us about winning this event twice and winning Ledgestone twice. What does that mean that it's it, two premier events in the season? I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's it's so interesting to me because and and, um, you know, maybe it's something about the the four round event and having the variety. I mean, Nevin is almost exclusively wooded, um, except for like the the first hole and the last two holes now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think I just play really solidly on certain courses, especially when they're wooded. You know, I was trying to think of the comparisons between like a Northwood Black and a Nevin, and there are a lot of similarities. I The shots just shape up really well for me. Um, there are a lot of hyzers, hyzer flips. Um, you know, I have enough capability of, of throwing like a turnover um, on on Nevin when, when needed. But, you know, I think that I just got, I'm a, it, I got lucky, but got <laughs> lucky with the fact that I think that the harder court, the harder course at Ledgestone really suits my game well, and Nevin um, is the same. So yeah, <laughs> call it a little bit of luck that Nevin's kind of my my bread and butter in a way. Uh, and then uh, just more of a stat to add on. If you have any response to this, you uh, are more than welcome to answer. But uh, this is now your seventh PDGA payout. That's six thousand dollars or more. Of course, this one being a lot more than six thousand dollars, but it is over six thousand dollars. Uh, that is your seventh. It's the second most in FPO history. Oh, only Kristen Tatar has more. Uh, three of those are in 2023. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about Big Money Missy for uh, a plenty while now. Uh, but just wanted to throw that out there. And if you have any uh, reaction to that. Yeah, well, I think that that's also just a, a huge shout out to the Disc Golf Pro Tour and, um, you know, just how much 
how much they're investing in the sport and getting big sponsors to invest in the sport. Um, you know, the payouts are just getting bigger. And I happen to, you know, play pretty well at some of the bigger uh, payout events. Don't know why. I'm glad that I'm able to back up my nickname. Um, at final of winning this weekend, I was like, all right, there's just zero question. I could, I could not cash for the rest of my career. <laughs> it's like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big money Missy, and um, <laughs> I pretty much solidified that <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Uh, we'll be looking for the uh, the Thrasher merch and whatever else with that uh, that saying on there. Yeah, I feel like it's funny yeah, because yeah. going into this, I'm like, she's been given that nickname. I think we asked you on our last time we had you on, which wasn't that long ago, about that, even the nickname. And you said something like, well, I, I guess or I hope that I keep winning the big money because it needs to be that way. And you did it. And I, like you said, I think no matter what now, like it's yeah. it's how your nickname not came to be, but how it came to fruition. Actually, like, I don't know what they call it. You, you've um, uh, what am I trying to think here? You fulfilled it. Self-fulfilling prophecy type deal. It's like, we'll give you the nickname it. manifested it. There you go. And so that's incredible mm -hmm. for you. Um, mm -hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing well financially. You said that on the front end of this. Um, at what point in your disc golf career did you feel that way? Was it this season or was it coming out of your last tour championship win? Like at what point did you feel this comfortability? Yeah, I think I would say uh, coming off of those like two big wins at the end of 2021. Um, you know, at the time, I think throw pink was like $6,000 and then, you know, the tour championship was $30,000. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that was my second year with, with this craft. And, um, you know, I had, I had, uh, had a pretty, pretty solid contract in my opinion at that point. Um, and, you know, it, I think that that off season of 2021 into 2022 was probably when I really felt, more comfortable, um, you know, because I, I I have the um, experience from pre-COVID. Um, I started touring in mid 2018, um, you know, and I was nobody, and I wasn't. I didn't expect to get a huge sponsorship or anything like that. I just wanted to see what would happen, and you know, I I, I literally know what it's like to be at the bottom. And, um, I think that's what keeps me grateful and humble and, um, really appreciate how far the sport has come and how hard we've grinded. And, um, you know, when I see the newcomers to the tour grinding, you know, um, it's a little bit easier now, but, uh, it's still such a hard thing to do to, to commit to touring. And, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, it's like, a, it's, it's nice to have that perspective. I'm, um, it's keeping me, yeah, it's keeping me grounded and appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, intern Ben, you look like you're in witness protection program with those pic pixels there, but do you have any questions for big money? You, you, did you, do you have her fundraiser disc? <laughs> uh, I don't unfortunately, but I have picked you a lot to win, not this event, but I have. <laughs> all right all right he has um we're still trying to figure out his audio the whole show ben it's working but it's just now really loud 
uh, maybe it's fine to the, the listening yeah. audience, but I'm bringing it down in our headphones. Uh, I can't bring it in my headphones. Okay. So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All good. All good. Okay. So, um, Man, there's so many things we could talk to you about, but you traveled all day. Um, I'm just trying to think, is there anything that I've missed that the show's yelling at me about right now? Anybody on the chat, give us a last question to ask. Evan, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, well, we've hit the off season. Uh, tour starting in Florida next year, but that's uh, a little over four months away. Uh, so what's in the uh, plans? Oh, I guess All-Stars would be the next one. Excuse me. That's starting in Florida as well. Uh, what are the plans for the next four months mm -hmm. throughout the off season? Mm -hmm. Are you going to do anything cool? Are you going to lay low? Are you going to work on anything specific? Uh, just give us uh, some fun details. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, if it sounds a little echoey, it's because I'm in a fairly empty home that Tom and I purchased back in May and it's in Pensacola, Florida. Um, so when we heard about the tour starting in Florida, I was, uh, the, the developments in our life and, uh, yeah, it's so, you know, I'm, we just got into town and our, our good friends, Paige and Alyssa, Paige Pierce, uh, you know, set us up with some of their hand-me-down uh, old furniture so that we didn't show up with absolutely nothing in the house, which was a really nice surprise. Um, we didn't know they were going to do that. And uh, yeah, so anyway, um, it's 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 going to be a, an off-season in Florida. No big trips, you know, nothing, um, nothing planned like last year where we had gone to Africa and we had done another international trip for, for fun. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all about just actually having an, a kind of a normal off season, um, being able to really focus on, um, you know, my developing more of my skills. And I think, I think in my mind, my forehand is something that I really want to work on. And thankfully, uh, close by, I have my friend, Eric Oakley, who is quite the forehand specialist. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping to get his, um, get his help with developing my forehand. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I mean, you know, first thing first, we got to get this house furnished. Um, but thankfully I got a little extra money I could use for that now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. In all seriousness. Uh, do, oh, does it, does a $40,000 <laughs> check pay out like a bonus to a salary you have? How does accounting work on that? Do you have to give away a lot of that to taxes? Do you know uh, you've won big chunks in the past? Um, so as a disc golfer, you have to pay taxes to every um, state that you earn money in. So I'm going to have to pay some taxes to North Carolina on this bad boy. Um, so yeah, I work with, I actually work with LWS as well. Um, I know Ricky works with them. And so thankfully they can figure all that out for me, but yeah, it's not fun, um, but it's what we have to do as Americans. So. <laughs> um, well, we'll come to that. We'll come to that when we need to. Yeah, as North Carolina employees, I guess, uh, in a way, which the, Hey, the tour can come to New Hampshire, yeah, yeah. uh, tax free on income taxes. I think a few other States are like that. I think Florida is one of them too. So, uh, yeah, that's part of the reason, uh, we moved, we moved here. Uh, one of the, <laughs> one of the perks that of moving here, um, is that we don't have to pay income tax. 
So yeah, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, it's like sometimes I'll get a bonus at work <laughs> and then you're like celebrating and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's gonna be like half of that. So, anyways, um yeah. wow, we're really yeah. excited for you. And I know there's no pressure here, but I know every time I reach out to big money, Missy, it's likely that she'll make time for us. And I, this time was no different. And we are so happy to see you win because we like you, but also we knew we weren't getting the Kristen Tatar interview. She already told us no interviews this season. Um, we might've gotten the own Scoggins interview. So at the Nick and Matt show, we kind of roll the dice. Who can we get? And we knew uh, we were rooting for you. So uh, it would have been neat to see other people win, but you coming and pushing through <laughs> so confidently and solidly through the whole thing uh our group chat started texting big money missy in all caps as we were coming in the final <laughs> stretch so we're excited for you uh, is there anything we missed talking about that you'd like to talk about no i don't think so you know i just want to you know thank all my sponsors um discraft grip whale sacks um uh oh my gosh i always blank i don't know why <laughs> all I of them do. all of it's them it's terrible I have, I have five. It's not even that hard. <laughs> well, how about this? Not my remembering, pretty, not remembering my wife's anniversary is pretty bad or my children's birthdays. So like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I give you credit for remembering yeah. a few of them. And quite frankly, the, even the oh, most, here we go. okay, good. I gave you time. Perfect. Yep. Ledgestone. Thank you. And, um, good dog seltzer. So yes. They are big supporters and helpful to me. Um, I just have a terrible time <laughs> spitting it out sometimes. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, even the closest people to me, I forget as well. And um, I think through your post and through how you usually represent them, we probably could have answered for you. So uh, we do appreciate you coming on. We're excited about it. We hope you get a good yeah. rest. If you ever want to just come on and hang out in the off season, let us know and we'll talk and we'll include you and we'd be happy to do that. So have a good off season, Missy. Relax. No more interviews until next year, hopefully. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much i appreciate you having me on and yeah hopefully i'll be back for sure all right <laughs> bye missy okay everybody missy gannon um if that was both for our audio listeners, probably they could tell there's a little delay our video listeners felt like they're watching a foreign film the audio was decent <laughs> the lips just wouldn't line up. We, I tried reconnecting that call three times and I would be a refresh reconnect legitimately, uh, with it was great. Once it refreshed, it, it just got off track <laughs> a little bit. I blame it the, a little uh, bit, maybe on the Bluetooth connection. Like I know in my truck, sometimes it's a little delayed with audio. And so maybe that's part of it, but I always appreciate her personality and her answers and her candor and everything about it. Uh, that was cool to see her pull the trophy right there to her lap. That's a big, shiny trophy. And Evan, yeah, we, and we can talk about trophies real quick. You, What do you think about them? Because my initial reaction is actually they're big and big trophies are cool and they're shiny and they're metal. I actually give them a pretty high grade. I, I don't think it's the best it, I've seen, but it's good. Yeah, it's... <sighs> it's different. And I think that takes time to kind of turn around to when I first saw it, I was like, I like thought it kind of looked weird, but like after a day of it, you know, kind of seasoning, I'm like, Hey, you know what? Like I, I kind of like them. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's all it needs. Everything needs time. You know, it's not your classy, um, large, you know, cup trophy. Like I think European open, or you think, 
to like soccer uh, trophies or the Lombardi trophy. Uh, those are really classy feel. Uh, it, it wasn't quite that style, but it was a, it was a good style still. And I enjoyed it. And uh, you know, I have no hate here. I think it was uh, cool. Hopefully my audio is good, but the trophy room, it reminded me of if the alien race landed on a UFO down on earth and they said, Hey, make us a trophy. And we said, Hey, make us a trophy. That's what the trophy reminded me of. Some very shiny metal intergalactic tro- trophy. <laughs> yeah. That is certainly a take, Ben. And for what Thank it's you. worth, our, our recording and our, our live listeners right now, they should be getting decent audio from you, Ben. I just have to take my headphones off when you talk because I can't figure out why it's so loud for uh, me. Well, I'm thankful over here it's not as loud. Really? It's good. Uh, okay. I mean, it's loud, but it's not like I need to take my headphones off loud. Okay. It's more of like you're in the room with yeah. him. He's loud. But this is like, my first time joining hurting. over uh, the internet, I guess. So, you know, obviously it's... it's uh, uh, That's not true. You did it on vacation one other time. The, the room was a little bit louder. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was definitely better Wi-Fi, but yeah. I have no... All right. Uh, I, I do want to say uh, I love the backdrop from Missy Gannon. Uh, mm-hmm. Putting the big, the big check uh, behind her. I thought it was a green screen at first, but then I'm like, Oh man, that's the real thing. Uh, that was really cool to see it. And I'll say this, I'll, I'll say a cool story about myself uh, in college. I actually won a big check, uh, for, I kicked a 25 yard field goal for a thousand dollars, uh, from Allstate. It was one of those, uh, when they were sponsoring a lot of those, I got a big check that it didn't say my name on it, but it did say for a thousand dollars. And I'll say this, it was considered a um, scholarship. So it was tax-free. Talk about that. Wow. Um, but I, I kept that big check uh, wherever I lived. You know, My roommates had to deal with it until I pretty much drove home from school and it didn't fit in my car. And I'm like, well, that's the end of that. But I still wish I had it to this day because that's a cool thing to have. You could go out and just buy one, I guess. But earning a big check is one of the coolest feelings in the world. It uh, doesn't matter the amount, but uh, $40,000 is definitely a cooler amount than a mere $1,000. Uh, but hey, I, I like it. I think it's neat. Okay. So it, it, to round that out too, is I think the big check is like the coolest trophy in my opinion. But I think Missy was pretty happy with the trophy itself too. And Rick was saying good words about it as well. So they like both clearly. Yeah. Um, someone in the chat said Ben's audio is way louder than the others. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What am I doing here? Why, why did I join? I'm sorry, guys. I ruined the show. <laughs> yes. No, you uh, being away. You being away ruined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Here, I'll still be on California, in California next Monday, so I think I'll skip out on that one to Just, uh, save you all the suffering. We'll ship a microphone to you. We'll ship a microphone out okay. to you. Um, you can Thanks. sit there. Yeah, you can sit there and there. look good, and you can even like play games with holding up one finger or two. We'll say one is yes, two is no. Like we could, we could make it work. Okay. Oh, they say it's fine now. Oh, it's because I took off these. Ah, see, got it. I took off my earbuds. Maybe we should say we're good now. Maybe we should have tried a test. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so we're just about to be joined by a disc golf. Uh, content creator, YouTuber, uh, friend uh, of the show. I already mentioned this earlier on. Anthony Bodanza. 
Um, I also talked about the video that he produced of the backyard tournament we put on, which I think next year is going to be more popular, but our spots are still limited. So we're going to keep the invite list grandfathered in and we'll open up a few more. We'll, we'll talk about that next year when we get there, but he's supposed to be joining, but he's also standing up the show a little bit here. So we'll see, we'll see how this goes down. We have some other topics to get to. First of all, can I bring up the topic of quote, shot clocks in disc golf, I am leaning way more towards pace of play, like group pace of play. If someone's coming up on you, then you get a warning, like that kind of pace of play, not per shot. Because this, for $40,000, I saw some shots where it was like, they are taking their serious time. I don't remember. I think it was Adam Hammes, his approach on 18, which actually ended up getting him in to the final. And he took his time. And uh, during the live commentary, I'm not going to say the name because that's not about who said this, but on live commentary, it's like, all right, well, you're already way into your 30 seconds. Like, that's what the story was. And I'm like, that is the least of the story. The players right now are so focused in on this moment, knowing that he has to make the green and it's possibly worth 40,000, even two rounds out, it's possibly worth $40,000 opportunity. And that's what we're talking about. Like, oh, like, you know, I just want to get rid of that because the excitement is in, is he going to do it or not? Take all the time you want. That's the moment. So th- I just set that up. Evan, what do you think? Uh, so you want to get rid of it is one thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue that second. Uh, what I'm going to argue first is how you're n- not liking a commentator mention it. Uh, what I'll say is like, like, kind of all rules are equal. That's kind of a cop-out answer a little bit. But it, if a player is going over the 30 seconds of the allotted time uh, and you're like, hey, they it, that shouldn't be worth that shouldn't matter right now because it's a shot for forty no 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 I didn't say I, that shouldn't matter right now I said I do not want that this shouldn't to, be this story I don't want this to be but, the sh- no I don't want there to be a shot clock the fact that no, he called it out just reinforces why I don't want it is what I'm saying not that it isn't okay, there well, I'm saying that I'll wrap up my yeah go ahead I'll wrap up my point quickly is that I think taking over thirty seconds is the same as like let's say footfall thing or mm-hmm. the same. Um, mm-hmm. as playing out of turn. Like all of it is a a penalty and you're not going by the rules. You're not playing how you should be. That is important when you play. You know, Ben, when he foot faults, when we play, uh, it's an advantage because he's not thinking about it. Yeah, I'll get into another topic. Sorry, Ben. Um, <laughs> he, it, when somebody foot faults, they don't have to think about foot faulting or not. I actively think about not foot faulting when I do a walk-up approach. So now I'm getting essentially penalized if that's not, you know, used. I play relatively quick, so I don't feel like I go to 30 seconds. But if I was a player that pushed it and I, it was thinking about it, it would be a disadvantage knowing I had to get a shot off by 30 seconds, whereas a player who doesn't care and then also doesn't get called gets a huge advantage by not having to think about it. Uh, now, is it a rule or not? Like I I, uh, I agree with the sentiment that it could be card-based. Uh, you're going to mention the Tour Championship and MPO. The chase card was definitely playing slow, making a lot of backups for the lead card. That is a bad viewing experience. I think we should try to fix that. Uh, but at the same time, there are there are times where maybe the card's playing totally fine, and you're watching a player just take way too much time. And the minute is going, uh, the counter is going up to like about a minute or two. So I do think it's important to have some sort of counter as a whole. If we want to bump it up to 45 seconds or 60 seconds or something like that, but then also uh, institute a full card uh, 
counter, maybe not counter, but like, again, they're, they're falling behind uh, another card's hitting them. I, I think that could work, but I do think there needs to be some sort of timer that is reasonable. And I wouldn't go anything over 60 seconds. You don't ever need more than 60 seconds for a shot. Uh, I get that. Some things are pressure filled, but like, that's what we play. Yeah. I just, just saying how I feel about it. Not that I'm, it wasn't that again, I'll reiterate. It's not that I'm bothered. He was calling out the rule. Although it still is kind of like, dude, that's not what we want to talk about right now. Like, even if it is a rule, it's not the feeling that I want the storyline. But what I'm saying is, and I think you caught it here at the end, is like, I just don't want it to be a rule. Make it pace of play. And I understand your perspective. So I think there would have to be some happy balance there. Uh, the chat or the comments can fill us in on what we've missed out on. But without further delay, we actually have in our green room, YouTuber, disc golf content creator extraordinaire... His name is Anthony, and his YouTube channel is Bodanza Disc Golf. Let's bring him in. Boom, and just like that, welcome to the magic of the Nick and Matt show. Anthony, you're here. How are you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How are you? Sorry, I was a couple minutes late. <laughs> you were just, you know, fashionably late. Fashionably. People were waiting. We're building the excitement. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, building the excitement, so... All right. Um, it's possible that we have a slight delay with Anthony as well. Just just so you know, we might have a slight uh, audio delay, and I'm not sure what's going on tonight. But it's working. We can hear you fine. Um, I just told the people, you make content. If the, I'm assuming most of them know who you are. They've probably seen your content. But if not, and there's crossover here, they need to go over and subscribe. Get them as many subscribers from our channel as possible. He is creating great content, including, let's just talk about it. You happen to be up in my neck of the woods when I was putting on an invite only backyard tournament and you came in with your camera and you said, is it cool if I record? And I said, absolutely. And tell us about it. What was your experience? Why should people go watch that video? Yeah. So Ben, intern Ben told me that you're putting that on. So I had to book flights immediately. Didn't really have anything else special planned for the weekend, but I came out there. It, was, it turned out to be honestly one of the most fun events in disc golf that i've been to uh regardless of the fact that it's in your backyard there are just a bunch of people there if people haven't watched it there's like actually like a three round tournament that matt had in his backyard it was kind of nuts i was able to record obviously my perspective of the whole thing but the whole final six holes of all the people who are on that final card because it's basically the first round was like 18 holes that you crisscross and it took like five and a half, maybe 10 hours to play that one round in his backyard. It was kind of nuts because you had to wait for 12 people to throw across the whole entire thing. And then there was a putting round where I thought I was going to lose my seating. And fortunately, putted just good enough to make the, the last little bit. And um, Gan was there, Colbert Allen was there, and local legend Harry Chase up in that neck of the woods. So it legend. was just a blast of an event. And yeah, had a lot of fun putting that video together, had way too much footage from it. So it's a little overwhelming. So it took me like four weeks to actually get around to editing it. I was procrastinated the crap out of it, but it was a lot of fun. And one of my favorite videos I put together. Yeah. It's funny because I want your perspective on something. Cause when you say it out loud, like, dude, you had to wait for 12 people to throw and this and that, it sounds actually kind of miserable, but the way this <laughs> event was set up, right. It was actually kind of entertaining to watch people throw their shots. And then you actually cool. had, you actually had a gallery watching every shot you did as well. So it was kind of fun. Do you, do you agree with that? 
Oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. I I just jokingly say that. Yeah. It, I mean, it did take a while, but it's because <laughs> it did take a while. Basically, he's got three. He has three holes on the top of his house, or three <laughs> baskets and three tee pads, and three baskets and tee pads on the lower side. And so you throw from each opposite basket to each opposite tee pad. But instead of like playing each person at one tee pad at a time, you throw all the upper people to all the lower baskets, and then vice versa. So twelve <laughs> people throw, and then you wait for the other twelve people to throw, and then you walk down, and everyone puts out. And so like. Every every hole was like under 300 feet, and I think the round legitimately took four and a half hours. But it was, it was a fun time because everyone was having a great time. It yeah. was long, and part of it is, if you remember or don't remember, the chaos of that morning that of 365 days, and I pick a day for this, they're deciding to grind and pave the road in front <laughs> of my house. And like that alone delayed everything. So like it was just crazy chaos. Next year will be dialed in a lot more. But uh, one of my favorite moments from that video, because this is really what sparked it, is, well, first of all, I commented on your video from the Nick and Matt show. I said, hey, get 500 likes. We're going to give Anthony the spot that he wanted to come on the show because that was one of the winner's prizes, get interviewed on the Nick and Matt show. We said, we'll give him it. You get 500 likes. Well, your your viewers came through in honorable fashion just immediately. I think it took less than 24 hours, 600 plus likes. They want you on the show. So if they're here listening, here he is. But one of my favorite moments on that video uh, I think it was Gannon throwing a grenade uh, up and over the trees from the high holes to the low. <laughs> You're laughing. It's so funny to watch because yeah. I I remember being down there and you remember uh, during the disc golf pro tour event when that guy got hit in the head by the grenade by Eagle. And so we all know it's happening. So Gannon throws it up. We all lose sight of it. And you're shot on video. People have to go watch this. You're shot on video. Everybody ducks. They're hitting the ground. and Everyone's like, it's coming in. It was just, you made a really cool video. And um, I appreciate that, number one, for featuring, you know, what we did back there. But two, I think the entertainment value for people and how you performed, uh, seeing Gannon's, like, personality and Cole's personality come out even towards the end of the the award ceremony, which, do you want to elaborate at all on the award ceremony because people are like why does it say like 2019 on that trophy and why why is it you know like can you can you just elaborate on like the feeling of the ceremony yeah so first of all to the grenade that's one of my favorite cuts in the video because there's like i the way i did i love to like interchange music because music is like a mood building thing. And so there's a bunch of mood, like music happening at the end of this big montage. Gannon throws this grenade and it just cuts. And my mic is like probably a hundred yards away from everybody. And it's a little shotgun mic on top of my camera. And so you just hear like, scream, like, ah! like everyone's screaming in the, it's like in the woods. It was so funny. Um, the award ceremony was also a blast. It's kind of really unexpected. So first off, tied for third place with Gannon. A little spoiler alert. We won't say who won or whatnot, but um, they gave me like a gardening glove or something. And well, they gave each of us one of them. So we couldn't even have a full set, unfortunately. And Gannon just gets up there and, and does his little, that, this is one of my other favorite cuts in the video. I'm going to spoil it, but basically Ben, intern Ben is like, how much is Prodigy going to pay you for the win? And I just cut it right there, like to the next thing that Gannon said, because it's like, we don't need it. We don't need any more of that Gannon Prodigy stuff. Um, but yeah, just, I thought that if you don't want to watch the video, skip to the very end and watch the award ceremony. Cause that is some of the most like fun juxtaposition editing that I've done in a while. I was just like, the mood is so different than the way that it feels. It was just, a, it was so fun. That was a really fun time. I very unexpected at the end. And I will say as well, um, it was kind of unexpected for us. We had thought through the event 
but not quite through the f- the finish line, as in like how we're going to finish this up. And by the way, not gardening gloves, uh, friction gloves. They were a oh. thing in disc golf for a little bit. Friction. Oh my bad. They were for ultimate disc golf, uh, ultimate disc golf, <laughs> ultimate frisbee originally, and they j- tried to cross over into disc golf, and they did for a while. But those were. Like some people throw with gloves, as crazy as that is. But so maybe you got a lefty glove. I don't know. But either way, there's your trophy. Can you send me mine now? Actually, I need to throw farther. Can you send it to me now? I want it. You can t- you can test them out. You can get a full sponsorship. Friction gloves, free advertising, right there. So, so we brought you on the show again. Great content. Tell us a little bit um, in your own words, your own story. Like, how long ago did you start, and what is your goal, and like, what is this journey about? Because it's probably different than how when you started. Yeah, definitely is uh, very publicly too. So I started playing this golf last January. First time I, so I lived in a van. I moved into a van two Septembers ago with my wife, needed hobbies. And we were just like randomly parked at this park in Chattanooga and we had an ultimate disc. And so I went and played, there was a disc golf course there. So I went and played it. I told my buddy who we were visiting in a couple of weeks, who was in Kansas city. And so we drive through, he gives me a couple of discs. A couple of weeks later, we're staying at Zilker park in Austin. I played my first round of disc golf in like January last year. And like everyone, a lot of people can probably remember their first round and just like how much it hooks him. I was just like, there's so much in disc golf that's like, there's athleticism, there's problem solving and there's gamesmanship and like competition. And so just like hooked me immediately. I started playing, wanting to get better and everything. And I had a YouTube channel before the YouTube channel that I now have for disc golf. And so I started watching a ton of YouTube videos and just realizing so many more people wanted to watch more videos than were even being created. And so I was like, I can make some videos. So I started putting up videos in my style in June and like very quickly, like things just take over my life. And so I was like, I kind of, I want to cash at a pro tour event, see what, see what that journey is like. And so I put that out publicly that I wanted to do that. Um, and then I thought that'd be a multi-year goal. And I guess technically based on all these changes, it still could be, but I was able to catch at the Casey wide open. The only event I was able to get into this year, um, which was a silver event. So it doesn't count. Some people kind of counts for me, moves on to the next goal. And, uh, and so the next goal is actually turned into winning my first MPO events. And then I actually did that yesterday, which is pretty cool. Um, so video about that will be coming out pretty soon. And then, uh, now it's basically, I, I think I want to get a tour card and I took some time off after I had that collaboration with Simon, which is probably how a lot of people know me if they found my content recently. Um, and I like took that time off to be like, what do I actually want? Cause I didn't want to just like put a goal out from external pressure. I want to like think like, what do I want? And, um, and so now the goal is to get a tour card and try to play at the highest level that I possibly can. And so right now that's looking like um, working at getting better at throwing a disc farther specifically because distance is one of the main parts of my game that's been lacking. Um, And so spoiler alert, starting today, I have a series coming out. Um, I'm in somebody's office right now. Oh, uh, I flew out this morning. Wow. And I'm in someone's office that is helping me to throw farther. Did that say first video in that series will be coming out tonight. Did that say super? I don't know what it said, super, dude. I don't know. I can't read very well. I can't back, read. I don't know. Okay. All right. Cool. Rhymes with Groove. No, yeah. So, Gibson? <laughs> something like that. I don't know. But the first <laughs> video in that series will be coming out tonight. It'll probably be five to seven videos and it'll be backhand boot camp. So I'm super excited for that. Wow. Uh, we had our first session. I literally came from that, which is why I'm sweating and came late, fashionably, according to Matt. But that'll be starting tonight. And uh, the first session went well. We have four more days of work to do, and hopefully I'll be throwing pretty well by the end of this. I had to give you the compliments on Fashionably Late when in your video you gave the compliments on, can we take a minute and talk about Matt's most luscious beard ever? So, I mean, we'll just dish the comments back and forth. Dude, 
it, to be fair, that day, you remember this, how hot and humid, or at least humid was that day. I mean, we were just dripping. Oh my. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think my beard, I think my beard was just extremely like bushed out too. <laughs> it was like unruly. So thank you. Thank you for the shout out there. But, uh, so no fashionably late, totally mm -hmm. fine. You're going to learn how to throw farther. The Nick and Matt show is actually working on something right now, uh, with tech disc to see if we can increase our distance using that tool. Uh, everybody's kind of getting into this distance thing I've noticed in the content. And I think it's fantastic because it's going to help people who didn't know that, you know, 400 feet was far. They're like, I can throw 400. And you're like, no, you can't. Like there's going to be people that realize all these players who are out there making content can't even do it. Uh, that's not to say it can't be done. It's just hard to do. We know intern Ben can smash. We'll just let, let that one be. All right. Um, so where do we go from here? Um, subscribers, that doesn't seem like an issue for you. It seems like you're just bringing them in by the, the, the thousands. So we're just going to keep, you know, talking positive about you and, and you just keep doing what you're doing. And I think people are going to appreciate that. The content level is very high, like the quality, that's what people look for. And now most recently, my favorite video yet, yeah, my backyard. I mean, what can I say? You gained, <laughs> you gained a significantly new fan. Okay. With that being said, we want to involve you in a, in a few uh, outro segments, if you will, here. This one actually might take a little bit, but I wanted to talk through um, into the season. If we were to rate players, Ricky rated himself tonight. We asked him and he said his season, he said like, did he say B plus? Is that what he said, Evan? I think he said B minus. B and, minus. and again, that's for Ricky himself, right. not like a season in a vacuum, you know? Right. Exactly. Understood. So I think, do you want to pull up a list here, Evan, and kind of just bang through it? You got stat Mando list. Do you want to just kind of hit like uh top 10 MPO FPO? And we just kind of do the round table. Like, Hey, let's rate their season based off of I don't know. We did this before, basing it off of how we felt like coming into this season. That's how we rated them. Um, should we do that or should we just rate it in a vacuum? Like, hey, look at it. Like, how does it feel? What do you want to do? I think we should rate it as that player. So okay. I think Ricky, okay. Ricky Wysocki, I mean, maybe we can just start with him and go out of order. But I think him saying B minus to me feels pretty accurate. Uh, okay. For Ricky Wysocki, two-time world champion, uh, number one player in the world coming into 2023, at least by Statmando official. Uh, I, I think B minus is it. I, so, okay. So we're going to uh, rate if we it as if we're him, the player. Go ahead. Give me the name, Ricky. Oh yeah. Let's start with Ricky Basaki just because we already had him in and we already talked about it. This one should be a little quicker. It's yeah, it's a little quicker, but it's hard because I guess based off of the events he played is what we're looking at. That's a little bit tough because I feel like you kind of get a ding just for not being at some of them, but that's not his fault either. Uh, I'll give him. I'm right in line with him and it's, it's a cop out, but it's not B minus. I'll give him the B minus. It's not quite a C, but yeah, B minus. Uh, let's go to intern Ben. Yeah. And I'll say this real quick. And it's for 2023. Ricky Wysocki, uh played 15 events. I'm going to have to manually add in the tour championship because it just wasn't calibrated in the uh, stat metal profiles yet. Uh, he had at elite and majors. He had two wins after this three podiums, 11 yep. top tens from 15 events. Yep. So how do you feel, Ben? How would he rate himself? We already know, but. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, for, uh, I'd say for me, a B just because, you know, I think I expected it. I think we all expect him to win a lot more because he won, I think, four last year and the uh, the uh, championship. Um, but, yeah, I'd say B. Okay. Uh, Bodanza. Yeah, I think, honestly, I probably would put maybe B to B+. Plus. I, I tend to be on the higher end just knowing the complications that he had at the beginning of the year and how 
Lyme is so unpredictable. It's just hard to know. And I know that he has obviously very high expectations of himself being one of the best that our sport has seen. As, I mean, on the broadcast, they said he was like one of those, you have good and great and generational players or players that you'll remember for a while. And Ricky's definitely one of those guys. Um, but I think it's, I think he's probably harder on himself than he needs to be because of the complications that happen there. But I also haven't listened to how he said, like if he's a hundred percent or not for half the season, and then maybe he should have had another win or so, but I think that his season turned out with these two basically high level wins and ending it, capping it here. Pretty solid season. And I'll say this too, uh, going into this season with our expectations of Ricky compared to now that feels accurate. Uh, but if we go to, let's say around champions cup time when he only played like two or so events and one of them was a DNF and we're not really sure what his season was looking like to see where it's come out in the end, you might bump that up closer to an a, but um, that's of course, I don't think that's the point of this game is to grade the mid season, uh, but it does say something about Ricky's season. All right. Give uh, us another let's name. Flip, let's flip over to FPO and go back and forth just to, and, uh, to keep and it I'm going to leave this up to stat Mando prerogative here. You just pick names. It doesn't have to be one through 10. It sure. can be any name you want. Yep. All right. So let's go. Missy Gannon wins the tour championship. Uh, it 2023. If I'm her, uh, if I'm her, elite. I'm just cutting you off. I'm going right to it. If I'm a her, this is an, at the at the least, it's a A. At the at like the, I'm so close to giving her an A plus. If I'm her, I think I do. The only reason I'm not is because I'm like I think she wants that world's like to knock it off for that A plus. But like, it, she's an A. It's an A straight up, and that's not taking anything away. That's my take, Ben. Uh yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to. I think without the tour championship win, I think it's probably she she probably rated like a B. Minus, but I think with that win, I mean, it's $40,000. I mean, if anyone wins $40,000, even if you come in last place, I'm calling your season at least a B. All right, Bodanza. Last place in every event, yeah. other events, sorry. <laughs> I probably put it closer to the to the A to A minus for sure. I think that she's probably slightly disappointed in the world's finish, but she was also the only name that really helped to keep that tournament super interesting and not have Kristen run away with it. That was super uh, helpful from her winning the tour championship. I think, I mean, you just got to feel good when you're big money, Missy, and then you take home the biggest money that the sport has ever seen. So that's kind of a win there. Uh, Matt, I feel like I, I line up pretty close to you. Missy again is a player who uh, as good as she is, I, th I don't think you could be surprised if she goes a season without a win at elite or majors. And, and like, that might sound harsh, but uh, I, I think it's true, but she's going to have a tons of good finishes. She might win a couple smaller events. I mean, silvers are going away, but uh, that level she might win. Uh, but winning the torch, winning two events, winning uh, Ledgestone, a very big event in Elite Plus, and then winning the tour championship and winning $40,000 uh, for her, that's like, that's pretty much the goal. Like she's not going to win five in events in a year. I don't think she's that good, especially when Kristen Tatar is in the field. Uh, so I, I give it an A. I think the only way is an A plus if she gets, you know, at least a major, whether it's worlds or a different major. Yeah. And to be fair, this is as she would rate it. And I've already heard her say, so spoiler alert, she said this is her best season ever. And I would imagine she's going to give her best season ever an A. But that's just, again, that's my opinion. What do you got next? All right, let's hop over to Gannon Burr. In 2023 at Elite and Majors, he has three wins, uh, five podiums, uh, and he had 11 top 10s. I think he finished top 10 at the Tour Championship, so that would make it 12. Oh, man. I I'm going to text Gannon right now and see if I can get an answer. Uh, I'm going to jump over to Ben, and then I'll give my answer in a second. Ben, what do you think? 
Um, me personally, I think for Gannon, I think that he won a major last year. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a solid A. I think his three wins, two silver event wins. I I think it's, I mean, he's actually in contention for a player of the year. It's actually a debate this year. Um, so I think he's pretty gassed about this season. I know he didn't really get that big win, but he, he got some three big wins at the hardest competition this golf has ever seen. Uh, Bodanza. Yeah, I think Gannon probably ran a season of a. I don't know, man. My post not feeling very good this week, bruh, uh, bruh. which probably equates to. <laughs> I, th- I think honestly, for him, it's probably like a B season. I think that he he got some good wins, but missing cash at DDO and having kind of these these late season um, finishes that are like not bad finishes for most players in the field, but for Gannon's standard, I don't think he's happy with how his season is kind of ended up at least um, USDGC wise, not being able to, to be in the conversation for defending that. I think that he'd be a little disappointed on that. And he's a recency kind of guy. So I'm sure that that weighs heavily into it. A yeah. Minus. Plus. Wow. A minus. minus. Oh, yeah. Uh, a minus. So, so I, that's what Bedanza, he rates you, it. I'm going to tell him sorry. Yeah. Sorry. If, Bedanza, <laughs> did you give an official grade? I might have missed that. I'm sorry. He was leaning into that A. I said A minus. Yeah. I said A minus. Okay. Yeah. Yep. A, yeah, a minus for sure. That's not right. what I said. No, oh, okay, I think he okay. was saying, well, he, you were saying something in the B range, but yeah, you were, you were teetering around. I yeah, think, I said B. Yeah. Okay. 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 Evan, what did you think? I, I agreed with a lot of uh, Anthony's points. I think I actually thought Gannon would have rated himself closer to like a B or B minus. Uh, I think that'd be yeah, wrong. So and I'm, so I'm glad that uh, Gannon said a minus because I think it's right on that B plus a minus line. Uh, you can look at it different ways. You can look at it as one, Hey, Gannon had the most elite or major victories in MPO this season. That's an A or a minus season. Uh, but for the points that Anthony said, uh, and for how much potential you see in Gannon, you, it's almost like you want more than that. So it's kind of like, it, it's tough. It's right on that line. I give it, I would, I think I would have leaned B plus, but now that Gannon said a minus, of course, I'm going to lean towards that. So <laughs> I can't, uh, can't take that too much. The, uh, privilege of having, uh, Gannon stay with me for two weeks gave me insight into how smart he is. Like he has got to be up there with the smartest disc golfers. And I feel like he's pretty, um, he's pretty accurate with how he even perceives himself. Uh, he'll talk openly about who the best players are right now. And I don't think he takes in much bias like towards himself. I think he's pretty objective. And I think I would have said he was going to lean into this a to a minus. I would have been there. It's unfair for me to see it now, as you said, Evan, but I think that's what I'd give him as well. It probably an a minus what he gave himself. So, um, I think that if I would have texted him, he would have given himself interesting. Like a, a C or a D. We should. And I think if you yeah. texted him, he would have given himself like an objective. Oh yeah, this is what it is for sure. But if, it, if I was texting, I'd be like, "Oh dude, my season sucked, dude. I missed all my putts every time, dude." <laughs> I wonder. That would have been a fun. I don't know how we could have done that because he would have been like, "Why is everybody texting me?" But it would have been fun to figure that out. <laughs> um, all right. So, what do you got for us On next? To the next. Let's go to the big one, Kristen Tatar. She had nine elite and major wins from fifteen events. Eleven of those are podiums and top ten in every single one. But she she won the Grand Slam. That's the biggest headline. But she did in her last two events, including throw pink in here, because uh, that's essentially your major level, uh, but not the official tour. Uh, she doesn't win her last two events. And let me scroll real quick. Let me text major, Christian she, and see what she rated. No, okay. <laughs> she, uh, she never went more than two elite or major events this year without winning, uh, which feels... <laughs> 
that's like too good to be true, but that is what I'm looking at here. Uh, so wins the grand slam, but ends it. I don't want to say sour note, but it feels like a little bit of a sour note. I think she feels like it's a little bit, but she's also saying that like she accomplished her goals that she came to do. I think because of the ending, she might be inclined to say like, oh, maybe an A, but then I think she would do like what she's been doing in her post and say, no, but I've accomplished all my goals. And I think she has to give herself an A plus. So that's what I'm saying. She would give herself A plus. What do you think, Ben? Uh, yeah, I mean, unprecedented. I shouldn't say unprecedented, but she did. She did really good last season. I should say historical season. Um, she got the grand slam. She did spectacular. She won. I mean, I'd say, I'd say how some schools do above a 4.0. I'm going to go with that. I think she's like a 4.3 GPA. This isn't what you would rate her. It's what she would rate herself. I'm sticking with it. All right. 4.3 GPA. Okay. What do you got, Bordanza? I think it's an A-plus all day. I think Kristen is one of the most pensive athletes in our entire sport. And to win the Grand Slam, to be the highest-rated FPO player ever, and to achieve all that in the same season where she also makes like $117,000 or something like that and the most winnings, um, like I, I feel like it'd be hard for her to rate that anything below an A-plus, especially because obviously this isn't something that she said, and it's 100% speculation, but she's probably getting very ready to head home for the offseason and just enjoy time with – all of her extended family. She just got engaged. Um, so I imagine that it's a time with a lot of distractions where these last couple events would be phenomenal to continue to do well at, but you've achieved all of your goals for the season and more. You're not going to hit the thousand rated this season On to the next, enjoy the off season. You deserve it. A plus plus. I, I agree. I, I don't think you could do anything, but a plus this is the greatest FBO season we have seen in a long time or maybe ever people can argue it both ways, but you can't look at the last two events as a grade for the full entire season. Again, this is what we saw, what we would have thought going into the season. She had all the expectations from last season and she beat all of them. Remember she only had one major win last year, right? Or was it two? She only played in, yeah, she only played at two majors and won one out of two last year uh, with it being world championship. She then won all four majors this year, making it five straight going into last year. She was the first woman to win the Grand Slam when there's four majors in a season. Uh, it, she did every accolade she needed to do. Uh, these were just cherries on top that she didn't get. And I, I would say she didn't get the A++ season. She just got an A-plus season or, or however you want to define that. Yeah, and I just reiterate, someone in the chat said she probably wouldn't rate herself A+, because she knows she could still do better, but she deserves it. And this is my point. The recency is going to cause her that that little bit of questioning, but then when she looks at it, she's going to say she accomplished all of her goals, and that's an A+. So And more, I think, you know, the Grand Slam. So, all right, next player. Let's do one more from each side. All right, well, that's tough. Okay, do two more. Pick, pick. I think we need to do at least two more in MPL, but we'll okay. do two more in both. Because uh, I, I want to do Isaac Robinson and Calvin uh, Heimberg. Okay. And I don't think it's fair to leave either Player one of them. Player of the so year discussion. With, yeah, let's start with Isaac Robinson first. Isaac Robinson, what is he going to grade his year? He's going to grade his year in... Oh, man. I wanted to say A, the same almost reason as what I said for Kristen, because he wants to do better at a lot of the events he didn't do well, but he has accomplished, I think, more than he thought he would at the same time because majors value. So he's going to say, because of what I've done, he's going to say A+, but I don't think he feels like 
it's not this. I don't know. It's hard. That's a hard one. He's going to say a plus Ben. Uh, I think it's probably the easiest one we got other than Kristen. I mean, what is he going to say? You ask him, he's going to say a plus. Yeah. He grew up dreaming about disc golf, being a world champion. And he became one this year. I, I think once again, he didn't have to do good. Any of the other events, he's a world champion. No matter what, he's going to say a plus because he's officially in the history books as a world champion. And no one can take that away from him. The chat is not agreeing with you right now. They're all A's or an A minus. I'm just saying it's not the easiest one, Ben. Come on now. All right. What do you got, Bodanza? It's 4.3, baby. <laughs> okay, Bodanza. Here you go. I think, uh, outwardly, I think he'd say A+. Plus. I think he's a very, I think that people underestimate his PR skills. I think he is very good at PR. And if you were to ask him in that context, probably say A+. Plus. But like, maybe if his buddies asked him, it might be like an A to an A-, minus because like, of course, he's a, he wants to be world champion. Like, if I think about becoming a world champion, which is never going to happen. But if I think about it, it's like, it doesn't matter anything else that I do for that whole entire year because of that. But at the same time, I'm not Isaac's skill level. I'm not, I'm not going into all these other events that you did play. Um, not taking down the silver over Eagle, I'm sure is something that he thinks about not intensely because it's right after worlds, but I'm sure that there's a lot of things that as he goes through a season, those two majors will be able to wipe away a lot, but probably not everything that he'll say a plus and he'll have, he'll mean a plus, but I think it's probably like a 96 out of a hundred instead of, a 99 out of a hundred where it still skews that side, but it's closer to an A than we think. I think it depends which way you look at the season. If you're sitting at the back end of the season, knowing what he accomplished and looking back, I agree with that. He might internally think an A or a minus, but if you're looking at the beginning of the season and you, Isaac's getting ready to play all-stars and you say, Hey, Isaac, if you win two majors this season, world championships and another major, what would you grade that season? I think he would immediately say A+. plus. He wouldn't ask any other questions. He wouldn't ask, oh, did I have a few missed caches? Oh, did I have a few outside of top 30s? Because that meant, no, I don't think he even asked that. I think he goes straight to A+, plus if you say he has two majors. So I'm going to say A+. Plus. Yeah, I can argue. I'm more in line with what Bonanza said, but I could argue it either way. I feel like it's an A+. plus If we're grading it, it's obvious. Like, it's A+. plus To the points that Bonanza brought up, I think he's right. Like, if you ask between his friends, he's going to be harsh on himself or more harsh on himself, and he's not going to get that plus probably. It's hard, unless he's being that fun, competitive self with his friends. He's like, well, what'd you do? Obviously, I'm an A+. plus. Like, it could go anyway. So, um, all right, give us... You're going to Calvin or are we going to FPO? Uh, I was going to say this. I want to do Calvin, and we can have a discussion about it, but then I want to do, like... Can we do five more, like, rapid-fire ones? Because yeah, let's I think do rapid-fire. Let's do rapid-fire. Like, no elaborating, think, just grade. I think... Calvin is one that you might want to elaborate, but if we want to do rapid fire, mm-hmm. that's fine. So let's, let's hop right into Calvin. Uh, go. Calvin answers with, he's straightforward and he says, A. Ben. It's tough. He's been so consistent. I think he'd be a little disappointed towards the end, which might skew what it, his actual season is. But so because of that, I think he, I think he'd go a minus just because of the end of the season, he kind of, he still was consistent, just didn't get those big wins as he did in the, because you got to remember in the beginning good. of the season, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to remember in the beginning of the season, we're like, is Calvin about to win every single event ever? And then it just kind of stopped. All right. Mm-hmm. Bodanza. 
Yeah, I think we're all playing a different game that Evan is playing. And I think he laid out the rules and then we started playing a different game because he's like, what would you grade if you were at the beginning of the season? What, at the end of the season, what would you have graded? And we're all just like, this is the middle and end season, what I think. So I think at the beginning of the season, Calvin would definitely give himself an A to an A plus if he told him what he was going to be able to accomplish and do. But playing our game that we're playing, I probably tend to agree with Ben where it, it trickles down into the A to A minus just because he's put himself in, in, in position, I think, 14 times this year. Uh, within a couple shots of the league going into the final round and just has taken down two of the events. And I'm sure that he would want to have taken down a couple more of those. But if you ask him, hey, you got two wins and you're the most consistent player on tour, he's probably like, yeah, it's an A to an A-plus season uh, if you're playing Evan's game. But we're not playing that game, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> yes. That's all good. We're, we're playing what would they think, and, and they can think whatever they want to think. So there's different ways to analyze it. Uh, I'll say I think uh, – it, again, it's it kind of similar to Gannon Burr. It's how you word it. If you tell Calvin Heimberg, <laughs> hey, you're a front runner for player of the year. You you won disc golf pro tour points. You won two events. You were in contention at so many. You only finished outside the top 10 once. You know, he's probably thinking, oh, yeah, it's like A, A minus, you know, winning zero majors doesn't push it to an A plus. But if you tell Calvin that, hey, you get off to a really hot start, you win two elite events and one silver, but then you don't win a single event since April but you're pretty consistent and you're not finishing out the top 10, which is incredible. I, I think you'd be a little bit more disappointed with this year when you put it in that context. So, uh, but I don't think that draw, I think the lowest you can say with that secondary scenario is B plus. So kind of mesh them all together. And I think it's around an A minus. There you go. That is the system. Matt, Matt did you go? <laughs> yes. I said, okay. he, he, I so, did the rapid fire, but what I'm going to say is to the chat, and you're playing along, but those watching post live, leave us where you disagree. Give the rating that you think it deserves, the grade you think it deserves. All right, let's do rapid fire. So no elaborating. It's just can't say a single thing but the grade. It's going to be hard because if you give someone a C, you want to explain why. But let's go. Nope. Here we go. No can't explaining. Explain. All right. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give no it. Want to start? Own Scoggins. A plus. Ben. Me. Um, a. A plus. I think I want to go A plus. Boom. Uh, <laughs> well, that's three of us. Let's wow. go. Eagle McMahon. B minus. Ben. Uh, he, uh, uh, oh, we can't explain. B, B, B. B plus. B plus. B plus. Bodanza. B plus. B minus. Oh, okay. We agree. I almost went C, but be minus, uh, which is harsh, but I yeah. can't say anything. Right. Not a heater uh, this last Ella, part of the season. Ella Hansen. Ella, I'm just I'm just looking back at her at her season. Um, B, Ben, B plus, C plus. I I agree too much. This is making it look bad. B plus. You all said B plus. Uh, you guys are all half glass full kind of people. That's nice. Yeah, I said C I plus. So. Oh, but Dan said C plus. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't the same. Sorry then. Uh, who was I just had? Sorry, sorry. Uh, Chris Dickerson. C. <laughs> I turned Ben. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with C. I think he expected to do better. C minus. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. I'm gonna go D plus. 
All right. No words. No words. Um, all right, let's do one more. I'm going to send this each. to him. Here's what Evan thinks of you, T minus. Or actually, no, we started, we started with MPO, I think. Let's do, okay, let's do two more FPO, one more MPO. Let's do, I had a few on the tip of my tongue. Let's do um, Holland Handley. Holland Handley. <laughs> B plus. I was like stuck in my head. B plus. Yeah, B plus. A. I think A as well. Uh, last for MPO, Anthony Borella. Um, C. I'm going. I'm going A minus. B plus. Okay. Besides the one where I misheard you, I'm too aligned because I go B plus as well. Let's go. Let's do this one. Juliana Corver. She's pretty. Oh, I can't talk. I'm gonna say she's pretty realistic. Okay, here we go. Uh, B plus. Um, this one's just a wild card. I, I have no idea. I'll go. I'll go A plus. She she she's still killing on the board. Can't explain. Although this one's a good one to explain. Bonanza. I'll say A. Uh, uh, what the heck? I swear, this guy is stealing my notes. Uh, I'm going A as well. Usually you're much more critical like you did for Dickerson, and I actually did the last two lower. It's, I'm, I'm surprised here that I'm being pessimistic, I guess. All right, what do you got? One or two more or what? Uh, that was it. Although okay, that we can was do it. one or two more. We kind of rolled quickly, but. Yeah, well, I mean, we could. We're also, we've been pushing over two hours lately, and I don't think the show minds. <laughs> they love it when they get to have more content at work, but. You you have one bonus one. There's a lot of ones I want to do. It's hard to choose. I felt like I. What does the chat say? Good. Okay, the chat threw one out there. We'll go with the next two or three. The chat puts I mean, I out there. I skipped Simon. Actually. Cat merch. I... Cat merch. Um, I'll go first with one. cat merch. Um, A, Ben. A minus. A with like one tier right here. <laughs> a tier. <laughs> Evan. Uh, I'll go A minus. Okay. Uh, the chat didn't put up another one. Did you say one more, Evan? Uh, I say, I mean, there's a few that I want to do. I'll say, uh, let me say four and you guys pick which one. There's Simon, uh, there's Cole Radolin, there's Aaron Gossage, Corey Ellis, uh, Kevin Jones, Nicholas Antela, Paul McBeth. So the chat Anyone, did say uh, Paul McBeth earlier. They were going to interest in that one. So let's do Paul real okay. quick. Let's do Paul McBeth. This is a really weird season to rate. Um, how is he going to answer? Mm, he's going to say B minus. Ben. C C plus. He's a go, but he did he did kid things. No words. No words. Stop it. You're fired. Get out of here, Ben. Bonanza. Bonanza. Kid has a baby go, not a little say, kid. What was that? C. I think he'd say C minus. C minus. I think I would go C plus as a human. I'd go A as a disc golf player. C plus <laughs> as a human. That's that's what Ben was trying to say, but me oh, still grading. Oh, I got you. I got you. And then, yeah. in all seriousness, we probably will wrap this up. I think. I think for me, the more interesting one out of that list you gave was Gossage. Um, and Gossage out of that list, he's gonna say 
he had a B plus. Ben. A minus. B plus. I think B minus. Oh, all right. So that was fun. I foresee that our next episodes are going to contain a lot more of like looking back at the season. I'm sure we'll do some sort of breakdown discussion about things that happened, things that could change uh, where we're going. Um, Like even news items like today was announced that house of disc, you know, acquired or finished the completed or announced the sale as it should be said. Cause they said, Hey, in the summer we did this, um, but we're just now announcing it kind of a thing. But like uh, disc mania is now in that flock of, or that family of latitude, um, DD, uh, castaplast, Westaplast. Aside, Westaplast. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see that being any West real aside, changes. So. <laughs> yeah. Did I say that or was that Matt? What? What did I say? <laughs> Matt said Westaplast. He said Westaplast. I said Westaplast sauce. <laughs> Westaplast sauce. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Um. So I guess my point is, there's going to be news items. There's going to be players changing. Um, I think We're without in the getting, silly season, we are without getting too carried away on tonight's show because we probably have two more minutes. A hundred percent, Gannon Burr is going somewhere else, and I don't think anyone's really doubting that. There are people who Whoa. may, there are people who may be hoping differently. Um, but even in the prodigy collector groups, will be like, "What are the chances?" Then everybody, even in those groups, jump on them, and they're like, "There's no chance, dude!" <laughs> like, stop asking. So, like, like. I think it could be fun to speculate at some point where he's going. We could have him on and ask him, maybe he'd tell us, but are there other players? Right. And that's what we're going to start talking about. Looking at contracts that are up and we'll start keeping our ear to the ground. Um, but other than that, uh, Anthony, it's awesome to have had you on because I met you in person first and in person, I apologize to you. I said, Hey dude, sorry. I haven't seen any of your episodes or your vlogs, you know? And you were like, why are you apologizing to me about that? And what's funny is people do that to me. They're like, Hey, sorry, I don't listen to your podcast. And I say the same thing you do. So it was weird that those words came out of my mouth. I just feel like it's one of those things you're like, want to give credit where it's due and it's probably great content. And so then you came to my backyard and well, there's a subscriber and a fan and I'm watching it. And so I appreciate you coming on here and um, participating in our content. Um, is there anything besides this next, I think you said five episodes or however you call it vlogs or whatever your content release with this distance thing. <laughs> is there anything you want to promote with that? Or that was it. It's just a tease or like, when is that coming out? Yeah. The first episode um, will be Drew Gibson basically rates my form. We filmed that earlier today and just like an overview of mainly the things that we're going to be working on over the next five days. And then, I'm not sure how many episodes uh, this series is going to be, but however many it needs to be um, to not make it boring and uh, to also get all the information out there. So those will be coming out daily for the next however long. I'm going to try to go back to daily videos here pretty soon, um, or at least most days in the off-season, just because I know people like off-season content, and there's a lot of stuff to be done. So I'm excited for that. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It really means a lot that you guys reached out to do this. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And if you don't mind, we'll probably have you on again at some point this off season. Um, we were even going to try, we were going to even try to bring back in a super old segment. It just, a lot was coming together at the last minute with Ben being out and Nick being out. So he's kind of audible, but we were going to do a segment called judge that disc golfer. So essentially 
we could have did it with Bodanza, actually. Maybe we'll do that. We'll have you come back. But we were going to do it with a, a live caller in, and but we didn't get to it. But we'll bring you back to do that is my point. We got some fun segments we'd like to involve you in. Um, it, ben, is it too much to put him on the spot to ask if he's coming out to the expo? Ooh. It's up to him. I don't know. <laughs> I would probably like know if I was coming or not if I got an invite to it. So that would okay. be like the first step, I would assume. Okay. But, yeah. All right. Cool. Just throwing, just throwing it out there. I don't know. Ben's always working on things, and it was a good time yeah. last year. I'll tell you that. Um, and so I haven't invited. I haven't invited any influencers or anyone yet, so it don't don't feel left out. I'm I'm working on the vendors, then uh, the pros and influencers. That's why I haven't got my invite. He only invited exactly. people. Yeah, we're all waiting, Ben. This is becoming the influencer conference. That's what it is. So, all right, cool. So Ben's on the West Coast. Oh, you're on the West Coast too, Anthony. Right, California? Or where are you? Well, not the coast. Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Okay, yeah, but you're you're in a different time zone, and me and. Evan are on the East Coast. It's 100 it's, degrees here. It's brutal. Really? Okay. All right. Well, Ooh. we're going to wrap this I show up. I won't complain about my uh, <clears throat> 60 degrees here. <laughs> 60. I know. I was uh, a little chilly this morning, but I'm, I'm not complaining anymore. Yeah, it's nice. All right. Well, again, Nick's not here, and this is unusual that I'm in studio and Nick's not here at all, like whether he's online or in person. But uh, yeah. Let's just close it out. I don't know what else to say. Uh, he usually says, here, do this, do that. Like, hit, subscribe, the whole thing. <laughs> Thanks to Cosmic Disc Golf. And if you haven't, again, right now, hit the like on ours and then go over to Bodanza Disc Golf. Watch at the very least. Start with the Backyard Disc Golf Tournament and then realize how deep you want to go on his channel. So go do that. Anthony's a great guy. O overthrows in the channel. He says, tell someone you love him. There you go. Uh, the, the Nick and Mash show pins are shipping as well. Disc golf pins. The link's in our uh, description. Go go grab a pen. All right, thanks. See you, Ben. Uh, ben, you're awesome. Anthony, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Nick, if you're listening, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. We appreciate you. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.